Well, today's show uh, is an epic three hours long, everybody. So sit down, grab your favorite herbal tea, and put your feet up and relax. Uh, we were going to be interviewing Arrow Films. Uh, that and that interview fell through. So the first part of the show with BJ and I, I'll be mentioning that we're going to be talking to Arrow Films. Unfortunately, that does not happen. However, what does happen is uh, Brad and uh, joins us with Mike Sandlin from Grindhouse Video, and we talk uh, Dr. Butcher, MD, Crimes of Passion, and Cat in the Brain. So uh, good conversation for you guys to listen to. And uh, we're, we're hoping to get Arrow Films uh, on an upcoming show. So sorry if there is a tease in here, um, but sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Screamcast episode 110. I am Sean DeRigger, and with me is BJ Colangelo. Can you please just make the RNC go away? <laughs> who, who basically right now is in the seventh level of hell. Oh, it, Dante's Inferno Ohio. can't touch the bullshit that I'm dealing with <laughs> in this place. <laughs> Brad will be joining me later for a conversation with... Uh, the the gents from Arrow uh, Video, but um, BJ's here because we got some stuff that's on our doorstep, and I had to hear about the RNC. So, <laughs> so no purge night has happened yet. I I was assuming something like that would happen, and it's we're, still it's Tuesday, so it's still early yeah. We still got plenty of time this. for the purge to happen. <laughs> um, I actually I tweeted about it the other day because I went to, I went to work on Monday and everybody was, you know, talking about how as long as you take kind of traditional Cleveland roads, like the shoreway and not like the major highways, you really don't have to deal with traffic. But every time somebody was like, all right, I'm out for the day. Everyone was like, stay safe. I was like, <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> this is way too close to stay the bridge. Um, yeah, a 13 year old on the east side of Cleveland was shot today. It doesn't seem to be directly related to the RNC, but it definitely seems like people are going to start pulling some riffraff because everyone else is downtown because of the RNC. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just not been, not been a great experience. One of my friends is, uh, like a booker for bands at this really awesome place by where I live. And she was, uh, kind of live tweeting, uh, live Facebooking, live status updating, I don't know what to, to call that, um, a young Republican's bar crawl that stopped through. <laughs> like, why would, oh, and the best part about it is that Kathleen Hanna was playing a show that night, so a young Republican bar crawl hit right before, like, the biggest punk feminist icon showed up. <sighs> nice. America. America. Um, but because of that, I've been pulling 10 hour days at work, um, working through my lunch breaks just because oh. it's chaos and everything's terrible. And the secret service has to inspect all of the stuff that comes and goes from our place since we're shipping, you know, you guys are like, I guess like right across, well, you're right in the downtown area, but yeah, we're like, technically we're considered midtown, 
But okay. where the RNC is being held, that's usually where I used to go on my lunch breaks. Not this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so whenever the school buses filled with congressmen and journalists go to and from like wherever they're staying to the RNC, they drive right past work with, you know, the SWAT team biker patrol that's guarding their school buses. It's, it's pretty, pretty intense. Um, but yeah, there's also helicopters everywhere and, uh, you know, the plane with the aborted fetus off the back of it. Um, lots of, obnoxiousness but i did see there's a guy standing in the heart of all the protests with a sign that said uh the hate is just visiting cleveland loves and that made me feel really good because that's that is very true people can shit on cleveland all they want but it's a very accepting and very loving city right. so it'll be really nice for when the rnc has gone because all of this hostility is not it's not cleveland it's the people that are coming from out of town and fucking it up it's weird like it's we're gonna get political a little bit here uh it's weird how like the hostility that comes along with like the republican party these days like i maybe i was too young but i don't remember it being like that because i grew up republican and my parents you know they were crazy religious but as far as politics went it was they were pretty level-headed like um so i kind of grew up with that, I kind of leaning Republican and it wasn't till, uh, I guess through college, I started leaning a little more moderate and then I never went, I've never have gone Democrat, but I've always, I've been very, I guess more moderate. I, I've grasped on a little bit to the libertarian party, I guess this is like right in the middle, but, um, these days, but I mean, it's just like, it's weird with all these, you know, parties, there's a whole bunch of, you know, political parties and, but like the Republican party seems to be carry with it, like the most hostility, uh, right along. I mean, it just seems like, it, it seems like the Ku Klux Klan has less hostility sometimes than the Republican party. Uh, well, what's really making me uncomfortable, like genuinely uncomfortable to be where I am right now is that, you know, you watch the videos right now from the convention and everything that they're doing, like they're not focusing on, you know, supporting their candidate, whoever it is, like Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. But instead of focusing on like, this is our candidate, this is the best person for the job, we need to support them. It's just fuck Hillary, put her in jail, <laughs> right. fuck public or fuck Democrats, everyone's awful except us. And it's just breeding this, you know, this hostility and this anger and this hatred. And that's what makes me more uncomfortable than anything. Like, I don't care who your candidate is, but when you're spending the entire week that's supposed to be encouraging your party as like, this is what's best for America. And instead of promoting that you're focusing on, let's be shitty and tear down the other people like that is dangerous. And like hate breeds hate. And that's just very scary to me. Like it's, it makes me feel very unsafe. You know, there's already been reports from, you know, some of my friends who work in like the more, uh, like LGBT populated areas of town that have, you know, been reported that they've been spit on, that they've been, yeah. you know, harassed on the street. And that's just not something that happens in Cleveland. And now it is. And I know, you know, obviously I can't predict the future, but I, I've never heard of an instance where like a young, a group of young Democrats like walked past a church and spit on somebody because fuck religion, science rules, but there's 
you know, all these reports of people spitting on gay people and, you know, harassing them. And like, that's just disgusting. Like, yeah, do be positive, believe what you want, promote who you want, vote however you want, but God damn, be positive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the Democratic Party is, is more represent, more representative, I think, of, of all the different groups in this country. You know, I mean, there's Christians who are Democrats. There's, you know, atheists are Democrats, agnostics are Democrats. I mean, everyone, it, it's, you know, a lot of, you know, different cultures and skin colors in the Democrat who are, who are Democrats. You know, it's just, it's weird seeing the dynamic. And I think, I don't know if this year is just like, everything's come to a head, but, uh, like I, I can't believe, like if this was what the Republican party was when I was Republican, like, I'm like, sorry, you know, I was ever, a re- you know, consider myself a Republican. I don't think it was. I think that it's over the past few election cycles has just like been, I don't know if it's cannibalizing itself or something's happening where it's just getting worse and more despicable every election cycle. And like Trump is like, the epitome of of all this and he's not even like the most republican <laughs> right uh, of of these people you know he's like he is more i guess more leaning more to the middle i guess on certain things but it, you know i don't know it's the trump show you know he's getting his uh you know he's not he's getting his i don't know his attention that he needs apparently so yeah and i mean we should also make mention that this you know, conversation we're having, this isn't meant to say that, like, if you vote Republican, like, fuck you. Like, that's not what it is at all. Like, my family is very much, you know, I I come from a family of Republicans, including somebody who used to work in politics. Um, And I think that my family is wonderful, great people. I just disagree with, you know, who they vote for. Um, And, you know, and that's, that's true to, you know, any Republican. Like, I don't think, you know, innately think you're a bad person, um, or I dislike you because of it. I just, you know, don't agree with you. And that's totally chill. Yeah. Um, to tie it back to, you know, the podcast that, no, I was going to say to tie it back that, uh, <laughs> that selfie that Paul Ryan took with all the interns <laughs> right. and how they're all white. Uh, my most popular photo tweet that I've ever done is I posted that picture and I said, does we make a village of the dam looks fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and all these people were like, "Oh my god, that's so funny because they're white." <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. funny. All right, uh, enough of the politic bullshit. Uh, we'll... Yeah, let's talk movies. Let's talk about what's on our doorstep. Holy cow! I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> all right. right, I only have I only have two okay. because. Like I said, 10 hour work days. I haven't had a lot of time to do that. Um, <laughs> so the first one, well, they're both rewatches, but only one of them I haven't talked about before. So the first one is I rewatched probably for the hundredth time, uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead because nice. it's perfect. Like, um, I think that it's become one of my go to feel-good movies right alongside with Wish Upon a Star, and weirdly enough, both of those films have a young Daniel Harris in a non-horror role. Huh. Um, but in watching, you know, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead for the million, billionth time, I don't understand how that film doesn't have as big of a following as, say, something like Clueless or, right. um, you know, something, or, or Heathers even, like something in that realm, because it is it's so 
fun. Everything about it is funny. It's bright. The language is really intelligent. The It's just a really well-fucking-made movie. Um, and it completely stands the test of time, with the exception of the fashion. The fashion's really the only thing that dates that film. If they were wearing more, like, traditional clothing, then it could, you know, be from any era and anybody would like it. But part of the, I think part of the magic is that it's so 90s. I mean, Christina Applegate has, like, a pretty prominent unibrow in some of her scenes. And David (laughs) Duchovny has that weird, like, mullet that's not a mullet at the same time. It's a great fucking movie. And all the power shoulders, uh, power shoulder pads are the best. Um, so I watched that one again. Sweet. If you've never seen that, f- fix that. Cause it's as far as like the cult cinema or like the weirdo cinema, like that is definitely in the canon for that. Totally. And then, it, it needs a, it needs a little bit of a resurgence. I, I think, and it, it'd be great if it got some sort of a resurgence on Blu-ray or is it, is it streaming? The only place that I've seen it streaming is that it's on HBO go. Okay. Um, so I don't know if maybe that's, I don't know if there's ever been a Blu-ray release of it. I have no idea. Um, but if there's not, there needs to be because the bright ass colors of the fashion show need to be in high def or blue or whatever. I don't understand logistics of that. Um, (laughs) so uh, I watched that one, but then the other big one, which is, which is one that I've seen before, but I haven't, I didn't talk about is uh, I saw, Korean Kusama's The Invitation, Ooh. which is now streaming on Netflix. Um, one, holy balls. Two, uh, Korean Kusama is so, so underappreciated. A lot of people gave her slack for Jennifer's body because either they didn't understand it or they just really disliked Megan Fox. So because of that, I think the real artistry in her filmmaking was completely overlooked in regard to Jennifer's body. But the invitation is unfucking believable. I mean, you definitely have to have patience. I wouldn't say that it's a slow burn by any means. It's definitely deliberately paced. And this isn't a film that's going to, you know, have jump scares and, you know, all sorts of nonsense. Um, it's it's a film that creeps up on you and then just punches you in the face and it's really really well crafted. Nice. Yeah, um, I need to see that. The other thing that's like is crazy to me is that Lindsay Burge is one of the actresses in this film and she was also in The Midnight Swim, which I know I've talked about before on here that I loved. Weirdo art house horror film, loved it. I love her in The Invitation, and then she's also in a film that I tracked down called A Teacher, um, which is a film about a teacher that starts a sexual relationship with a student. Lindsay Burge is the goddamn future. She's remarkable in everything that she touches. She reminds me a lot of Greta Gerwig, and that she kind of just popped up in all of these movies like just out of nowhere and is just wonderful. She's magnificent to watch. Um, but she the big, I'm like trying to think of like what else I, what I've seen her in, but I, she, she's done a bunch of stuff. Like she's one of those actors that I look back and I'm like, Oh, I've seen you in right. a lot of things. Um, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. Um, but the other thing about the invitation that 
I don't think enough people are talking about. And I hate that it has to be a focal point, but given the state of horror in general, it does need to be a focal point. This is an incredibly diverse cast in regard to ethnicities, um, you know, sexual orientations, and to some extent, even some, some age. Um, this is a cast of mostly late 20 somethings, early 30 somethings, but you know, there's, you know, an Asian couple, there's a homosexual couple where one of the partners is of Latin descent. Um, one of the main characters is a black woman. And then, you know, John Carroll Lynch is in it, who is, you know, a heavier set dude, still white, but still a heavier set dude. And it just like, was really interesting to me to watch because I look at it and I'm like, that is what a dinner party actually looks like today. Like those are the people that are actually friends are these just completely diverse groups of people. Mm -hmm. And they were all, you know, they're all magnificent. They were all so good and gave these great performances and never once did you stop to think, Oh, well this is the Asian one and this is the gay one. And this is the (laughs) black one. Like it, it was presented without ever having to feel the need to explain it or address it, which doesn't yeah. ever happen. Like every other horror film, if there's a black guy, like it's addressed that they're black or whatever. There's some sort of side joke to like somebody being Asian or somebody being gay. And mm-hmm. this movie, like they were just like, no, these are the friends. These are who they are. This is who the people are. And they exist in this world as they exist. Well, Fuck that's, it. Yeah. That's, that's how I am with all my friends. You know, when we have exactly and get to get this in the neighbor neighborhood, there's you know, no one's like ethnically representing themselves. (laughs) You know, it's some stereotype. You know, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're doing it to meet a quota. They do it because it feels like this is an authentic representation of the modern friend group, and that's incredible. And I hate that that even has to be like singled out of like, hey, check this out. But right now, we have to, and Mm -hmm. it's important. Um, So. Yeah, check it out. It's a great movie. It's, you know, it's on Netflix. So you have no excuse to not be able to see it. But if you can track it down and buy it, please do because it's fucking beautiful. We, uh, um, it, there should be a link on uh, John Portnova. He's, he's going to be doing a weekly kind of Blu ray roundup. He's going to do a featured Blu ray and then do a roundup of what's out. I believe it's out this week. So there should be a link on our yeah. website for it through uh, yeah. grindhousevideo.com uh, is selling it. At a pretty decent price, so check it out. Plug for grindhousevideo.com. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I need to uh I'm trying to carve through my to watch list. I'm like trying to organize. Cause if I don't organize, I'll stare at my the pile or I'll just go through Netflix and just flip through everything. <laughs> oh, like I end up doing so. that too. Just start <laughs> Just start streaming it. So I need to like assign myself like every day of the week. Like you're watching this, you know. (laughs) You don't like the hot dog. No. You want me to eat it? Okay. Do you have? Do you have like a timer? I want to interrupt. (laughs) Did he just leave? He just handed me a cold hot dog. That he. I mean. I don't know how. I don't know how old this hot dog is. I feel like it's normal for you to have strangers bring you cold wieners but <laughs> who am i to judge hey it's 2016 baby very true <laughs> shout out to noah always being awesome 
This is like the third podcast he's interrupted. I think that he just needs to become a staple. Like, I don't think it's going (laughs) to feel natural anymore if Noah doesn't interrupt. Right. He, you know, he's, he's walked in, handed me the hot dog and said he didn't like it. And he's off again. So I have no idea if he's digging in the fridge. I don't know. No idea what's going on. Bad parent right now. He could be getting into the knives for all I know. Why uh, do you keep your knives that low? To no, they're not. Well, no, he, they're not that low. But I mean, he's like, you know, pushing around chairs, getting up on counters. He's ridiculous right now. Gotcha. So anyway, he's, you know, he's, he's generally a safe kid. He just raids the fridge. On a constant level. He must be hitting a growth growth spurt. Noah, you are a kid after my own heart because <laughs> that was me all day as a kid. Kid just eats and eats and eats. All yeah, right. he's probably growing. He's probably growing. But anyway, what's on your doorstep? Um, I need to do to give a shout out to Stranger Things. If you're not watching this on Netflix, uh, what the hell are you doing? Get on it. I'm, I'm plugging se- my ears. I'm plugging my I've, ears. I've only seen the first episode. But... I- I can't watch it until after this week is over and I have time Brilliant. to sit down and watch it. Okay. I can't. <sighs> My wife and I are, try, so are trying to watch it. It's easy to to, to want to binge, but I, I have to hit bed at a certain time. So it was really hard not to start the next one. Um, that said, I, I'm, I'm being told if you are a fan of Stranger Things, you should be checking out Midnight Special. Midnight Special is fucking great it's uh it's next on my to watch pile to get to so i loved it i saw it in theaters it it's so good and so pretty to look at and hell yeah kirsten dunce you are having a reconnaissance and i love you for it oh yeah um but uh, yeah do you know who the uh the guys who did strange stranger things the duffer brothers no clue where the hell did they come from i don't even know I mean, it's, um, they're it's, credited to writing Hidden. Okay. From 2015, what else? and we all fall down. That's all I know. Stranger Things is their biggest profile thing. Hidden was with, um, was with Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, I haven't, I've never heard of them. But Netflix is doing some really cool shit lately. Like, um, I did binge watch Eastsiders, which is a queer, uh, like situational drama, I guess is a, it's like a relationship drama. Um, but it started off as a web series. Hmm. So they acquired a web series and, um, I loved it because a lot of, um, kind of staples in like the queer cinema that I obsessively watch are in it. But, uh, Brea Grant is in it, who is, nice. you know, kind of a staple within like the indie horror scene. Everybody knows her and she's a, Instructor, and she was on Heroes, and a com- she's a comic book artist and a punk drummer, and she does a lot of really cool shit. So seeing her pop up, like that was initially what drew me in. But it's a really great show. But I was like, fuck yeah, Netflix! Like, yeah, way to great. you know, give it up to the little guy. Yeah, I mean they're they're really becoming. I think as far as their TV, their, their shows like a force to be reckoned with here. And then um, even with some of their their movies, I guess Adam Sandler movies was standing. Uh, those are, those are what they are, but those I mean, are for, those are for their foreign territory. Yeah, Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, who would have thought that like Netflix would be involved with actually creating content? I mean, that's, they're really becoming some tastemakers. And like the other reason that we haven't started stranger things yet is that I've finished orange is a new black, but Zach had not because he'd been working longer than I have. So I'm rewatching it with him. Nice. And we're not going to move on to Stranger Things until that's done. We, uh, so. My wife says, once we're done with Stranger Things, we're going to start Orange uh, is the New Black. I tried to get her to watch it once, and she was kind of turned off by it. 
Uh, I don't know if it was at the time. She's very – it depends what her mood is like on what she'll watch. So push, push through. Sometimes that, that's, that's what the best television in. ever. Usually I have to wait till one of her friends is like, you need to check out this show. So – you know, we'll, 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 we'll get to that too. Cause I hear that the this last season was great. It was so, unfrickin' believable. All right. all right. Let me jump into, uh, other things here. I have a, a, a handful this time around. So I'm going to try to push through these here. Uh, the first thing I watched, cause it came out on Blu-ray uh, a couple weeks back is a film called The Wave. Okay. I have um, not seen this. And. That's funny. I think I pulled up. I pulled up the wrong thing on IMDb. That's not the one. I was gonna. There it is. It's uh. Is it? I'm trying to think of the. Uh, it's it's a Norwegian film. I can't help you. I have not seen it. <laughs> directed by, uh, Roar. Uthaug. Oh, you're gonna. I was like, oh, you're and gonna. I'm not gonna try that. to pronounce these <laughs> other Norwegian uh, names. Uh, really good film. Like a really good disaster film. Very, <clears throat> for for what it's worth, very grounded. The, um, I like that they bring you into the family. There's some really good character building with the core family that we're following and, uh, the, <clears throat> the husband who's, um, he's like switching jobs. He works for some sort of, uh, seismic, uh, monitoring thing. Basically, it's like, it's not an ocean. It's a lake in Norway, a big lake, and there's some communities around it. And there's these gigantic mountains and everything. And what the, the, because of seismic activity, there's always a possibility of a big chunk of the mountain or rocks or whatever falling into the lake, therefore causing a tsunami. So, so that's it's basically, you know, disaster film revolving around that. Very tense, very well done. Uh, I'm not sure what the budget was, but, uh, everything on my TV looks great. Um, it sounds amazing too. If you have a really good setup, crank cool. that sucker because it's like, it rumbled. My dog is always kind of rolls with the movie, but my dog got, got a little concerned when, uh, when, when everything started going down. So, yes, it's, it's pretty good. I would definitely, it's probably one of those films that if it's not on Netflix already, it'll show up on Netflix at some point, but the Blu-ray was pretty cheap and it looks and sounds, pr- uh, amazing on Blu-ray better than it's going to look and sound on, on Netflix. So, cool. uh, I definitely would say check it out if you can at some point. Watch it in the best possible quality you can. Um, and it's just a, you know, a really good, really good flick, uh, not directed by someone who does movies about aliens invading Earth. Awesome. I'm pumped. <laughs> so check that out. Um, next I checked out Screen Factory's Blu-ray of Death Becomes Her, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Hell yes. Of course, starring Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and Goldie Hawn. This is one of my favorite dark comedies of all time. I saw this in the theater um, when I was when this came out in 1992. So I was, oh gosh, was I a so- I was either a freshman or sophomore. I was school. two. You're welcome. <laughs> so I think I was a little bit too young to understand kind of the relationship dynamics and the kind of the uh, the poking fun at kind of Beverly Hills culture, this kind of vain culture of these, of these people and, and beauty and everything like that. But now that I'm, you know, in my late thirties, been married almost 12 years. Um, the movie kind of was even better this time around. And I really liked it when I was younger. I thought it was funny. Um, I love that Bruce Willis is like kind of playing against type, you know, you don't see him that often, trying to actually act, you know, and be a different character. Or have hair. Or have hair. 
And he's kind of this weaselly character and is really, really, uh, it's really good. Like he's not some strong ass kicking, you know, smart ass. He's definitely kind of beaten down, you know, by these women, by this relationship and this marriage. And, um, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep are just fantastic. There's a scene where Meryl Streep is getting the potion, you know, from, uh, from that, that woman who never likes to wear a top. Who is that actress? Isabella Rossellini is the actress. Isabella Rossellini. Super hot, by the way. Um, yes. And she she's like popping open the container that holds this little vial. And every time she does like the Meryl Streep's acting right there as kind of like looking over, trying to see what she's doing. It's just, <laughs> it's just super funny. I don't know. I, I really had a blast with this. Um, the Blu-ray looks okay. It's it's a collector's edition, but I think this is one of those where they kind of bit off more than they can chew and said it was going to be a collector's edition, but I don't think the elements were up to snuff, and I don't think they could – they couldn't get the rights to for the character's likenesses, probably Bruce Willis's, to do new art for it. Right. Um, number one, and then the only, there's only like one featurette on it, and it, so it's a very weak collector's edition, but who cares? Like Death Becomes Her is on Blu-ray, and it looks it looks – you know, it looks better than DVD. Yeah. Um, you can't really fault that, them for it. I think, I think you were... can see a little bit of the seams since it's been up, yeah. you know, upgraded and like just, the, and that's not a fault of them. Just the technology at the time wasn't really up to snuff, but still pretty impressive for 1992 and then attempting like yeah. CGI. I mean, well, especially with like the hole in the stomach. Like, yeah. As a kid, I remember being like, that is seamless. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then rewatching, I was like, you know, that's actually not bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually did a pretty good job. There yeah. are a couple of moments though, when you can straight up just see the green screen patch on her, like yeah. because of the angle she's sitting at, but it yeah. doesn't matter. We, there's a movie where Meryl Streep is yelling flaccid. <laughs> yeah. So it's Oh fine. my gosh. It's great. If you haven't revisited this, uh, or haven't seen it, I, I recommend it. It's, I think it's got, I, I think it's gotten better with age, even re- regardless of some of the wonky effects here and there. But it's not that bad. I mean, I've seen worse effects on modern movies, you know, so, um, but it's really, it's really funny, funny, like a fun, dark comedy. And I, I was trying to get my wife to watch it and she's like, Oh, dark comedy, forget it. But I, I think I'll wear her down. I think she's going to enjoy it. It's a blast. Yeah. Moving right along. Green Room came out this week and I finally watched Green Room. <sighs> so this week or last week? No, last week. Um, God damn. Jeremy? R.I.P. Selnier. Huh? I said R.I.P. Anton Yelchin. I know. But yeah, Jeremy Selnier, dude. Just give Holy him all the shit. money. Keep keep it up. Jeremy, keep that shit up. Um, this thing's like just a powerhouse little film. You know? Um, everyone's on point. I love the punk rock stuff. Uh, I love... How the band, uh, when, how they start their set off in the, you know, with all these, uh, I guess Nazi punkers, um, and how they could just decide to fuck with them and you know, see where it goes by playing that Dead Kennedys cover. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm kind of being, you know. Yeah, that's a wise choice, but just, you know, it's the, it's the dude who made Blue Ruin, which I know all three of us pretty much. Oh man jerked off to no end last year <laughs> so if, if that's not enough to let people know this dude's the real deal then i don't know what else he is there's something about like the violence in this film too 
the way he films it, uh, it's not like, uh, it's a genre film in a sense. Like this is a straight up horror movie for sure. But the, it, it's one of those things where it plays the violence like for real. You know what I mean? And there's this, and it doesn't linger on it like for, for, oh, wasn't that an amazing gore effect or anything like that? It's kind of like, you know how like Saving Private Ryan, how it handled like the gore in that film, especially in the opening scene, which is it's a weird comparison, but I mean how it just, yeah. stuff just no, no, happens. No. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. And you're just dealt with the blow of something that just happened and it doesn't linger on it or even lead up to it. Like you're just, you know, shit happens and in, when it happens, it's, it's feels real and shocking the way those types of moments would and it just earns all those moments uh and it's just like shows like with anton yelchin passing away at 27 it just shows like what uh a shame you know how his life was cut so short and how so much potential he had and i hear that even star trek beyond that comes out this weekend he has a huge role in that film too so um it's just it's like it's an amazing Total bummer. It's a bummer, and it's, but it's an amazing way to go out, I guess. I mean, blaze of glory. You know, it's it's it it's a uh, it's ridiculous that he's gone, and uh, so. But green room, he's great in it. Everyone's really great in it. Um, I don't think anyone is wasted as their presence on screen, no matter how long they're there. I mean, Patrick Stewart is just on point as always. And, uh, and it's fun to see making Blair with his, like, fun to see his face without, uh, you know, I guess he shaves his face in Blue Ruin. Um, but I mean. Yeah. Never mind. But, you, <laughs> I, but the only image I have of Blue Ruin is him, is the bearded man. Is the beard. Blair, you know? Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's the first thing you think of because that's how they, you know, kind of promoted it for so yeah. long, but. Damn it. I just spoiled it. I spoiled it that he shaves you his didn't, beard. That's not a spoiler. It happens in like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> It's a great moment in Blue Ruin because you're not expecting it. And you're like, oh, wow. Look at him. Look at him all cleaned up. Uh, anyway, see, see Green Room. And uh, it's another one that I did, the whole Voodoo Digital Plus disc or whatever. And uh, I got the disc like a week after release date. But I got the digital copy two or three weeks before the disc. But I didn't watch it until last week anyway. <laughs> so... Anyway, Green Room, uh, there's people now that are saying like, oh, it's not as good as the people have hyped it up to be. But it's just, Tell us people just, to get fucked. Just watch the movie and enjoy a nice little tense thriller. Uh, it's good. All right. Uh, finally, not finally, I got a couple more. Shit. Sorry, everybody. I'm turning into Brad this episode. I was going to say Brad's Jesus out, Christ. so you had to pick up the slack, I guess. I guess. Um, since we're going to be talking to Arrow on this show, I decided I'd better check out The Bride of Reanimator Blu-ray. <gasps> yeah. It's my first time watching it. I can't what? believe I've never seen this. Um, I mean, Reanimator is one, one of my favorite films. Um, I've seen that so many times. Uh, not only, not just because Barbara Crampton's in it naked. It's not the reason why I watch it all the time. It's a, it's a really. It's so creepy. I know, huh? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, it's a really good flick. And one of my favorite kind of things dealing with, I mean, I guess they're technically zombies, right? No? <laughs> technically. I mean, it kind of Ish. falls, it kind of falls on that spectrum of like, well, are they zombies in 28 days later? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, not by like 
rule mythos, but I mean, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to know, like, Jeffrey Combs, like, he is off the charts in this one. He wasn't that ham, he wasn't hamming it up like that in the original, right? Oh, no, no, he he's, swung for the fucking fences. Holy shit. In Pride of Reanimator. He, he's like up to 11, um, and it's just, they just go for it. I mean, what I, what's great about it is they don't, you can tell that, that Brian Usenet was just like, let's just do some shit. Like, let's just make this off the wall and crazy and goopy and gory and fun. And he just, they just all go for it, you know, uh, for better, for worse. And I think that makes it really fun to watch. And, uh, I just had a blast with it. Good. So, I'm glad that you're really your first. The last 20 minutes. Your first experience was a good one. Oh my God. The last 20 minutes were so earned. It was so great. They just go all out. Um, I love movies that kind of build up and get like weirder and weirder and crazier and crazier and then just go all out at the end. Fantastic. So Brian, Brian Usna, uh, I don't think I had seen too many of these films until this last year and a half until kind of Brad started. Well, society was on my radar and then, um, Return He's done three. so much more than people realize. And then oh, what I watched, was it The Dentist? Is it the Dentist that he did? Did you watch, sorry, Bionic, uh, His Silent Night, Deadly Night yet? No. Track it down. I think it's five? Okay. I'm a, I it's am four or five. But. I am a, a newly adopted into the Brian Usna fan club. For sure. Yeah, I'm all in. Do that. And then <laughs> check out Nec- uh, Necronomicon, which I believe yes, is that, part of too. That's yeah. one of those the movies that everyone talks about that needs some sort of release somewhere. Well, so, come over, the- come over to my house. Okay, off we to have Cleveland. it on VHS. Let's go. All right, I'll make a trip. We'll make a plan. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, Bring Noah uh, and his cold hot dogs. Totally. So it's great. Uh, this set is uh, out of print. Because it has a comic book, but I believe it is getting a standard uh, release without the comic book, but with all the special features, and definitely um, track that down. Because uh, you know the comic book's cool and all, but uh, it's all about the movie. People, no need to go crazy and spend a hundred dollars for this out of print version. Get the, you know, re-release, and you'll be fine. All right, uh, real quick before I get to my final one here, I finally watched the movie Dark Was the Night. Okay, what do you think? A cool monster or tree monster of some sort, and Kevin Durand was in it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this movie's a piece of shit. <laughs> this movie was probably the most disappointing movie I've watched in a while. Uh, what I write down, I wrote, I wrote down, final thoughts on Dark was the night. Don't make a creature feature on a mumblecore budget. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> it, it can work. Just don't it seems, write the story first. It seems like they had an idea for his cool creature and cool idea. I'm going to spoil uh, Dark Was the Night right now. So Do it. if you haven't watched it and you don't want to be spoiled, <laughs> bless you. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Uh, if you haven't watched it and don't want to be spoiled, uh, you know, give skip me, ahead skip 12 ahead, like, seconds because <laughs> it's going to take 12 seconds to spoil two, this movie. Two minutes. 
Basically, I feel like they had a great idea about this creature and uh, people held up in a church or something being attacked by the creature. And then they think the creature is dead. And then all of a sudden, all these other creatures appear coming towards the church, crawling on the church. It ends. Wow. That's how it ended. That's dumb. It, it's like it's like they had this script and that was like maybe the midpoint of the film and whoever was funding the movie said we don't have enough money so can you stretch the first half of the film uh, out into a full length movie and just have the guys like mumble and talk to each other a lot about the monster that's out there that nobody sees dumb and the monster doesn't even really do much either like it kills a couple people and then like they start finding like a few dead animals here and there and hear noises it's like it doesn't feel like as threatening as a, as a monster like this should be am I right about that what they should have done is they should have approached it similarly to the mist where you don't really see that many creatures, but the ones that you do see are really impactful. And the rest yeah. of the film is just dynamite acting. They should have just, fuck Kevin Durant. They should have cast Marcia Gay Harden. <laughs> yeah. What were they thinking? I don't know. But Recast. It's, like, it's kind of a cool idea, but I mean, they, I don't know. And then when they, you finally see the creature, it's so underwhelming. That's even more disappointing. You know, so Cause like, I don't know. Anyway, I, I put, I put off seeing this for so long. Brad saw it and he, he was like, eh, you know, he wasn't very hot on it, but I was like, I'll probably like it. It's a monster movie. So unfortunately the monster. And it couldn't even win over you. It couldn't. Cause I'm pretty forgiving with monster movies, but they didn't do the whole less is more approach right with like jaws, like with this, like they, they didn't do that. And then to end it like that with, as a, as shit's like, as like a shit's about to go down, like aliens style, you know, to just end it was cruel. Ugh. So. Gross. I hate right. it already. Finally, uh, I finally saw 10 Cloverfield Lane. I am very, Holy very curious Lord. to hear your thoughts. I, um, kept myself in the dark about this when I originally heard about it, when they finally like, released this, you know, trailer out of nowhere and how they kept this secret i have no idea i mean god bless jj abrams for somehow keeping the lid on this i knew that dan trachtenberg was doing a film with bad robot like three years ago and then i never heard anything else about it because he had done this kind of short film like involving like the video game portal like a really cool mm-hmm. kind of short video game or f- short little sci-fi thing with the concept of portal which was pretty great and then i think he got signed on to do like why the last man or something uh, and then that didn't go anywhere. And then I heard he started doing stuff for Bad Robot. And then that never, you know, I never heard anything else. So I figured it was shot and kind of got put on the shelf. And um then when it was announced, everyone's freaking out because they're like, it's a Cloverfield tr- sequel. Oh, my God. And people are freaking out about it. And I'm like, I don't think it's a Cloverfield sequel. And I was right. It's it's not a Cloverfield sequel, so don't expect giant monsters. It's one that they turned into a Cloverfield sequel. I feel like they shot it. Either this was J.J. Abrams in his mind all along and they just kind of like had to keep the director in the dark or they did some, you know, added some things to get this to make money because maybe it wasn't going to make money. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the game plan was for it. But, you know, for those that have seen it and didn't know or haven't seen it and want to know, I mean, the film did not start out as a Cloverfield sequel. It was not written to be one, but it became one. And it's fucking in, rad. In a sense, like it's still not related to Cloverfield, you know, it's more of like, I guess, 
J.J. Abrams has this idea to make these kind of anthology films with the Cloverfield brand, I guess. It still, to me, it still falls under that umbrella because although it's not like the big Godzilla style monster that the original one had, the original also had these like littler mm-hmm. creatures, like these little bug alien things. And that's kind of what you're going to see more of in yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Well, it's great. Um, John Goodman is fantastic. Um, he, I, oh, God, I he's love so good. The, I, 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 I don't want to spoil too much because it's still kind of, you know, but I love all the moments in, in the bunker. Um, and, but I still feel like it earns everything else that happens in the film. If you know what I'm saying? Yes. No, it, it it completely does. Everything in that is very much. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like unwrapping a really good, like a really good, uh, Oh, I don't know, like those, those ice cream sundaes on like the cone, you know, those cones, like the, you know what I'm saying? The drumsticks. King cones. The drumsticks or whatever, you know? It's like you're unwrapping that. You can't wait to get to it. And there's more goodies inside as you eat that thing. I love, uh, ice cream drumsticks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those films that like, just That's keeps a pretty on, good comparison though. It, it just gets better and better and better as you're watching it and you're wanting to know what's, what's happening. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, is, is great. Um, and it just, now that I've seen it once, I can't wait. I need to watch it again. I almost, I, if I had time, I would have watched it again, like almost immediately. Cause there's so much, once you watch the film, there's so many, I know there's so many things I would, uh, grab onto, you know, watching it again. So anyway, 10 Cloverfield Lane, um, you know, I know people coming out of it were complaining that it wasn't a Cloverfield sequel or whatever, but I mean, take it at its own merit, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. It's it, really it, good. The first three quarters of that movie are some of the most like edge of your seat, yeah. thrilling moments of cinema I've seen. And I don't even know how long. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's good. And there's <clears throat> like the comedic, um, re- the comic relief isn't forced. Like it's, everyone's just very relatable in that situation you know, and yeah. it's still mysterious and, and everything. So man, uh, I mean, for this to be Dan Trachtenberg's like first film is impressive. Like, I don't know how much help he got making it or whatever. I know that he's, he seems to be a talented guy. I mean, I only know him from like listening to the slash film cast. And yeah. He, he had a, like a video game, um, podcast that he did. And I knew he was going to film school and everything, but, um, to knock it out of the park like this, you know, on his first feature is, pretty damn impressive and uh, i'm i'm i know that he's doing uh spielberg's um gosh what's that called it's involving robots you know what i'm talking about i don't oh crap i know people are gonna be like commenting on twitter like how did you not know what that is no it's one of those things that it's it was a book or whatever and uh let's see here Maybe got, but it's one of those things that like, there's always, no, there's nothing else, nothing else listed on IMDb. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, he has nothing, like nothing upcoming on, on here. Which means he'll probably drop something out of fucking nowhere again. Probably. You you know that like he's in with JJ Abrams, you know, it's like, yeah, he passed the test, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah. I thought he was developing something 
I can't remember the goddamn name. But it, it sounded like I didn't know if it would work from book to screen, you know, as well as I was like, ah, I don't know. Anyway, who cares? Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. <clears throat> that was God. a hell of a week. I I'm going to start calling you Brad now. Yeah. You start burping and yawning more into the mic. <sighs> <laughs> that's spot on. Uh, awesome. Well, we are going to jump into news and then we will, Brad will be here and we'll be talking to, Brad and I will be talking to, uh, the Arrow video people. Unfortunately, uh, BJ is time, you need to, I need to RNC it up when you guys are interviewing. So, <laughs> you, you <laughs> cannot join us for the Arrow conversation, which is a shame, but um, I cannot. We gotta, we gotta be printing all those, uh, window clings that say, make America great again. Uh. And then I blow my brains out. <laughs> awesome. Well, BJ, thanks for joining me. Yeah, the, absolutely. What's on your doorstep? For sure. Have fun talking to Arrow. Have fun listening to uh, Josh with the news. And, you know, just be excellent to each other, guys. It's the anniversary of Bill and Ted. Just be excellent to each other. Hell yes. Those are wise words we can all live by. Hell yes. <laughs> And Josh Obershaw is with us to give out the news. What's up, man? You're doing good. What about you, Sean? Doing good. Can't complain. As I bump the mic. Sorry about cool. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We had some ton of stuff happen. We had uh, right Arrow and Screen Factory letting us know what's going to happen in the fall. So I'm going to let you uh, get get to all this. Yeah, well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But <laughs> first of all, uh, I want to continue on something that we started last week um or the last episode where we gave people a little sneak preview at vinegar syndrome's august package well what i've got are the details and all the titles for what's coming out that month starting with of course we mentioned disco godfather which is the last of rudy ray moore's uh 70s movies it's going to be uh, a region-free Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. All the extras are going to be on both formats. It's going to be scanned and restored in 2K from the original 35-millimeter camera negative. We also have um, I, Dolomite 4, the making of the movie. We've got a commentary track with Rudy Ray Moore's biographer, Mark Jason Murray, Rudy Ray Moore himself, and writer and director J. Robert uh, Wagoner. Plus, there's also co-writer Cliff uh, Rockamore and some rare, rare on-set audio on that commentary as well. So that's going to be a little interesting mix there. Plus, there's soundtrack, uh, promotional still gallery. we got alternate German and French language tracks. And we've got, uh, of course, the theatrical trailers for the rest of the Rudy Ray Moore movies from that era. And an original cover artwork by Jay Shaw. And there's a reversible cover art for this one as well. So that is the Disco Godfather. Next up, we told you about Evils of the Night. This is going to have, this is also going to be a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. And all extras are going to be on both formats. An Alien Blood Transfusion. This is the title of a video interview with director Marty Rustam. There's going to be an alternate feature-length TV edit, plus an isolated score by Robert O. Raglan. Plus, you're also going to get some extensive outtakes from the movie. 
plus a work in progress uh, theatrical cut. I guess uh, somebody cut off the rest of that sentence there. <laughs> Anyways, there's also going to be a t- – <laughs> it just says work in progress theatrical. I'm like, theatrical what? <laughs> but uh, there's going to be a TV spot and also a reversible cover art for that one. And next up is Taboo. Now, for this one, it's going to be also region-free, extras on both formats because it is also a combo pack. It's going to be scanned and restored in 2K from the original Vault Elements, 35mm, of course. There's going to be a brand new audio commentary with lead actress Kay Parker, an audio commentary with Helen Thierry, who's the writer and producer of the movie, some archival um, commentary with uh, Kay Parker, and all, another archival audio commentary with Curtis uh, Stevens, the director of the film, and also Helen Thierry an archival video interview with Kay Parker and a gallery of promotional stuff. Next up sex in the comics, which is going to be a DVD only release. This one I'm actually kind of excited about like pretty, you know, I'm a huge fan of comic book art and stuff like that. So this one seems super interesting. Oh yeah. Me too. I think, I think this could be like a, 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 how can I put this? This would make a, probably a good double feature with that, that sexploitation, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I am definitely want to check this one out, too, because, you know, I'm a huge comic book fan, too, and, you know, dirty comic books? Sold. <laughs> so it's going to be a region-free DVD, DVD only. Keep that in mind. And there's also going to be a bonus feature on this one called Sex Tunes, and that one clocks in at about 82 minutes. And another bonus feature, The Funky World of Adult Cartoons. That one clocks in at 45 minutes. And the final item in this package is another one of their Picorama double features. This one is two films by director Bob Chin, Body Girls, and Let's Get Physical. This is also going to be DVD only, and they're going to be scanned and restored in 2K from 35mm preprint elements. And that's going to be it for that. So that is your August 2016 Vinegar Syndrome package. Nice. You can order that all in one bundle, get a discount, and this thing will be shipped out on August 30th. So that's Vinegar Syndrome for you. Now, next up, we got a a couple of little things that I want to mention here. I want to start out with... A couple from art exploitation. I know I've been kind of neglectful with the whole new release thing, but since you guys have talked about art exploitation quite a bit, just thought I'd mention a couple of releases that they've got coming out. And the first one is called The Perfect Husband. And this is directed by. Uh, Lucas Pavetto. It's actually a feature-length version of a short he did, and it and the um, the Blu-ray that's going to be coming out for this film will include the original short, as well as a behind-the-scenes um, featurette, which is about 24 minutes. Plus, you also get some art exploitation trailers with this one. And Perfect Husband will be out on DVD and Blu-ray on July 26th, and it'll debut on most of the big on-demand on video outlets starting on October 25th. 
So it's out. It's out uh, this week. Yeah, it should be out by the time uh, you're listening to this. So <laughs> if you get a chance, pick that, pick that one up. And then the other one is called Observance. This one is directed by Joseph Sims uh, Dennett. It's actually his feature film debut. And this one will be coming out on August 2nd. Not only is it coming out on Blu-ray and DVD, it's also going to be uh, streaming exclusively on Vimeo. So if you guys have got um, an account with them, you can stream it there. So this one has a um, uh, a little feature called Preface on Observance. It's only three minutes long, and it also are exploitation trailers. So there's not much there in, as far as bonus features are concerned. So at least you get the option of wanting to buy it on Blu-ray or DVD or stream it on Vimeo. And this is also going to be on v- uh, VOD outlets beginning on October 11th. Next up from Kino Lorber, we've got some details on The Pit. This is one um, we mentioned to you a few weeks ago, or a few months ago by this point. <laughs> so um, this one is has a release date of October 18th, just in time for Halloween. And here are the following bonus features. There's a new high-definition transfer. We've got interviews with stars Sammy Snyders, Janine Elias, and screenwriter Ian A. Stewart. Plus, you also have an audio commentary with Paul Karup of Connexploitation.com and film historian Jason Pachonsky. Plus, you also got a trailer gallery. So that is the pit. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be excited for this one. I know I am because I saw this one recently, and boy, is it weird. (laughs) It's weird in a good way. But it's still pretty weird, so I don't want to say too much about it. This is one of those movies you just have to see to believe. Next up from Redemption Films is another one of Jess Franco's films, one of his many films. Uh, This one's called Dracula's Daughter. This one came out in 1972. This one's also kind of a light disc as well. You've got a new audio commentary with film historian Tim Lucas, uh, alternate safe footage, which is a little less sexually explicit than... Jess Franco's movies usually are. And this one comes out on October 4th. Now, this one, uh, this movie was actually filmed back to back with another movie he did called The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. That film is also available on Blu ray from Redemption's film. So if you want to double feature that one up, be my guest. I haven't seen that many of Jess Franco's movies, so that's why I'm like, here it is. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've only seen a couple. I'm not a huge fan. Right. But he ha- he does have a huge following, so. Well, that's the reason why um, I mentioned it, because I know he's got a lot of films out there, and a lot of people like it, so Dracula's Daughter, October 4th. Next up, um, Universal put out a box set of their famous monster movies, some of the more famous ones, but it looks like they're going to be rolling out the franchise series again. These were the DVDs that uh, Universal put out in 2004 uh, in conjunction with with the uh, with the Van Helsing movie, and I always held on to those because you know they were um, they had all the movies in the series, not just you know the most famous ones. So it looks like Universal is going to start rolling those out on Blu-ray, and. I don't know. They're pretty much the same content-wise. I mean, they're pretty much the same as the DVDs. But the thing is, though, 
the two that they're rolling out, Frankenstein and the Wolfman, they seem to be doubling up on the movies. Like, for instance, for the Wolfman, they've got the House of Dracula and Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Both, all three of those movies are actually on the Frankenstein set. So I don't know if it's the, if they're just uh, padding the Wolfman because it's one of the lighter franchises compared to something like Frankenstein or Dracula, but I don't know. W- yeah. What's your take on that, Sean? I mean, there uh, looks like these are the exact same things as when they did the DVDs. So um, I missed out on those when those came out. I never bought them because they were just too pricey for me at the time, and you know, so they're just basically taking those and uh, you know rolling out an HD package, you know. Because the restoration was, I think, was done years ago. The DVD just Blu-ray wasn't out yet, so I don't. I, don't, I just think yeah. they're just porting them over, so they're not really, you know, redoing anything. They're just porting over what was done in the past. So yeah, I don't know. Um, not sure of their uh, what they're doing, and um, you know, these can be pricey. So it's like you gotta. I already have the Universal Monster set, and I really all I care really for myself is the classic movies. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing the other ones. I just don't know if I would pay like what, 40 or 50 bucks, you know, for all these films together. If there's a few I want here and there, I'll, you know, it'd be great if there was, you know, a disc here and there to get, but we'll, we'll see. Like, you know, if they start dropping a price, you know, I may start collecting them, but they're not, it's not huge on my priority list right now. Yeah. Especially with the Wolfman. I, um, this is definitely for completists only. Yeah, I'm going to wait and see what happens with their other ones and, um, you know, probably start collecting them. And if I do, I'd probably buy the Wolfman one last and wait till I see it at a more of a bargain price. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. It kind of makes me wonder what they're going to do for the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, there, was only, there were only three of those movies made. Yeah. I mean, so if they have those three movies plus the 3D edition which is already on the box set. I mean, that's still kind of, it kind of makes you go, do I want to spend 40 bucks on that? It all boils down to the special features. Like if there's any more like documentaries or anything like that, like that I think would add value. So we'll see. I'll kind of, yeah, I'll kind of wait until they all roll out and go from there. Okay. Well, I know some people out there are listening and that have uh, probably wondering when we are going to get to some of the big stuff that happens since the last episode and let's not let's not keep them waiting let's not keep them waiting uh we told you last week about arrow video rolling out their releases for october and uh, last time we told you about the uk only titles well now we have the slate of releases for not only the uk but also the joint releases for here in the united states and for the uk and um not really spectacular i I don't think it's I, I think it's a little bit of a letdown and I know some people are disappointed too. Um they're gonna be releasing Vamp on Blu-ray as well as a um another release of Bright Bright of Reanimator. This is it's pretty much the same as the one that came out earlier this year, only we're not getting the R-rated version or the fancy box. But they are gonna be releasing the original Japanese version of Darkwater. And they're also releasing the Herschel Gordon Lewis Feast, which is 
14 of the Godfather of Gore's finest attractions on high definition Blu-ray and standard definition DVD. Seven Blu-rays, seven discs. Brand new introductions to the film by Lewis. Hours of extras, including newly produced interviews, featurettes, commentaries, short films, and much more. And there's also an additional two bonus Blu-rays featuring the full-frame versions of Blood Feast, Scum of the Earth, Color Me Blood Red, A Taste of Blood, and The Wizard of Gore. And these are going to be limited edition exclusives. There's also an uh, additional bonus DVD, Herschel Gordon Lewis, The Godfather of Gore documentary, which is also going to be exclusive. A 28-page H.C. Uh, Lewis annual stuffed filled with Lewis-themed activities, plus archived promotional materials, and newly illustrated packaging by the Twins of Evil. Plus, there's also the Shocking Gore, which is a big, huge, fancy version of this box set, but that has already been sold out. They only limited that to 500 copies in the U.S. and 500 copies in the U.K., but those are going to be the American-British releases from Arrow. Cool. Yeah, the only one I'm really looking forward to, I think, is Dark Water. It's the only one that I'm probably going to grab out of all that. Hirsch and Gordon Lewis, maybe if uh, the price goes down. We'll see. I don't know. There's something weird. Uh, DVDs are enough for me when it comes to Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah. Because they're, you know, because they're cheap, they're cheap little drive-in movies. I don't, right. I don't know if that's worth having on Blu-ray. Right. Yeah. Yep. Some, you know, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So I, I would, I guess I would have to see like what all the extras are. You know what I mean? So true. Yeah. It's a, it's a pricier one. That's for sure. So act accordingly. <laughs> Agreed. And also, uh, this past weekend was San Diego Comic-Con. So for horror fans, we know what that means. Screen Factory and their announcements of what they've got coming up in the coming months. And it's a pretty sizable list. They announced 13 new titles this year. I'm not sh- I don't recall if that's the most they've ever announced on, on in one sitting, but... It's quite a list. So yeah, I think they do about this much uh, every year. I, I think. So, I think it's I think it's on point with what they've been doing, but it's a solid list. That's for sure. Agreed. They've got uh, collectors' editions of Don Coscarelli's Bubba Hotep. We've got Black Christmas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist Two: The Other Side. Poltergeist Three. Both of these are going to be collector's editions. This isn't going to be like a double feature like what MGM did with the DVD. I'm fine with that double feature, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did they really set on Blu-ray? Yeah. I kind yep. of want to say, yeah. I, you know, I think they did single That's versions, I too. I want to say that I got... I, I mean, I have all the Pol- Poltergeist movies. I think they... Uh, you know, they did a double feature, but there was also separate releases. I think I just bought the separate releases as they came out. Okay. So, I, I'm not really... I'm not really, you know, caring that much about a collector's edition unless they like somehow unearth some amazing, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I got my eye. I'm like, Especially where? For I'm, three. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it, but I'm not like, you know, <laughs> banking on grabbing those two. But they could surprise me though. Like sometimes, you know, there's in these collector's editions, there's certain things. Because I already had bought Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, but because that collector's edition was so awesome. 
I was like, well, I got to get that. Same thing with the thing coming out. Like, I'm going to have to double buy that. You know, so we'll, we'll see. But these two aren't really my favorite Poltergeist movies anyway. So I love the first one. But if there's something special, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Well, definitely uh, one of the things that they announced that day that I know a lot of fans have been screaming for, and that's Slumber Party Massacre 2 and 3. Those two movies are going to be coming out definitely as a bonus feature. Uh, excuse me, a double feature. <laughs> But but we will like some um, bonus materials for that one as well. This is actually one I held off. Um, you know, I held off getting off getting the first Slumber Party Massacre on Blu-ray because um, I wanted two and three because I have I still haven't seen two or three, and I heard two is awesome. But mm-hmm. I held off held off getting the first movie just so we can have these two. But now they're coming, so now I'm happy. <laughs> this is gonna. This is going to be an interesting one. This is another double feature. This is the original Willard and its sequel, Ben. And these two films have never even been out on DVD before. So this is another one of those uh, surprises from Screen Factory. You know, finally bringing you know, something that's never even had a DVD release to, um, to, to even high def. So I know, I know there's a huge following for these two movies. So we'll get uh, as soon as we have some more info on that, we'll let you know. Uh, Dreamscape. Yeah. This is I haven't seen this. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in, since I was a kid, and th- and it just freaked me out. Like some of the stuff that was happening in there, I'm like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> so I, this is definitely one film I would really, really like to revisit. Plus, Dennis Quaid. Enough said. Moving on, we've got two films from David Cronenberg that are going to get collector's editions. The first one is going to be Rabid, starring Marilyn Chambers, and Dead Ringers from 1988. And the final two movies that they announced, one is called The House That Screamed from 1970 and uh, Dead of Winter, starring Roddy Roddy McDowell. So those are going to be – those are the Screen Factory announcements. Nice. I'm actually more excited about the Screen Factory announcements than I am the Arrow announcements. Yeah, yep, me too. And uh, we got a couple of other Screen Factory things that I want to talk about really quick. We've got the bonus features for Psycho 4, The Beginning. So yeah, we're finally going to have all of the Psycho films on Blu-ray. Psycho 4 comes out on August 24th. No, excuse me, August 23rd. But the bonus features, there's going to be a new audio commentary with director Mick Garris and actors Henry Thomas and Olivia Hussey. That's going to be so exciting because, first of all, I, I haven't been like Psycho 4. I think it's a very good, very good movie. And to hear the actors Henry Thomas and Olivia Hussey talking about this movie, that's that alone is worth the money for this one. But there's also The Making of Mother, an interview with makeup effects artist Tony Gardner. That's a 27-minute featurette. We've also got rare behind-the-scenes footage from director Mick Garris and a photo gallery of rare photos from Mick Garris. So looks like Mick Garris had a lot to do with this disc, and bless him for that. So that's Psycho 4. Sweet. Next up, uh, we got some um, we got some late news coming in also from Screen Factory. We have some details on Brian De Palma's 
Raising Cain. This is the is um I believe nineteen ninety one no ninety two feature. Huh. This came out the same year he did Carlito's way. <laughs> This is that it's this this is that crazy movie he did with John, uh, John Lithgow. Yeah. Uh, the special features for this the special features for this one we're not only getting uh, a theatrical version of the film that's going to be on disc one, but on disc two there's going to be a director's cut of the film featuring scenes reordered as originally intended. So wow. who knows? It could be a completely different movie. Are they are they including both cuts? They are including both cuts. It's going to be a two disc collector's edition. So nice. we're going to get both of them on on the separate disc. Plus we got new interviews with actor John Lithgow. Fuck yes. <laughs> Stephen Bauer, Greg Henry, Tom Bauer, Mel Harris, and editor Paul Hirsch. Plus we've also on this too, we also got changing Kane, De Palma's cult classic restored featurette and raising Kane recut a video essay by Pete Gilderblom. So take note of this one. Raising Kane comes out on September 13th. And so that's it for Scream Factory. Now, finally, ladies and gentlemen, I know I've neglected this uh, this company for a while, but and finally, folks, I'm going to leave you off with our occasional catching up with our friends at Code Red. Announcing titles and not releasing them since 2000-something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I see uh, uh, Luis always lets us know on on the on Twitter, uh, (laughs) you know, whenever there's a new Code Red announcement. And I'm like, yeah, all these announcements. But but like, when are they coming out? They never give us release dates. (laughs) So, so, you know, every now and then, like six all of a sudden show up on screen archives. And I'm like, gosh, I don't have a hundred bucks. right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, go for it. (laughs) Well, first of all. Bless Lewis for, you know, him helping us out and keeping track of this stuff. <laughs> I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, we we do. Uh, there's a lot, so let me go through this. Um, we've got Serpent's Lair, Violent Professionals, The Last Hunter. This is one starring David Warbeck. Giallo in Venice. Panic, also starring David Warbeck. The Great Alligator. Cry of a Prostitute, Almost Human, not to be confused with the Joe Begas movie, (laughs) Happy Hell Night. This is one I'm excited for. The Last Survivor, a.k.a. Jungle Holocaust, a.k.a. Last Cannibal World. It's gone by a number of titles, but that one's coming out. They Call Me Bruce. (laughs) Uh, The Funny Farm. Not to be confused with the Chevy Chase movie, which I believe is called Funny Farm. <laughs> uh, Out of Control, The Concrete Jungle, Hot Touch, High Point, and finally, Blast Fighter. Yeah! <laughs> Blast Fighter. That one I'll buy. Nice. <laughs> That's right up my alley. <laughs> well... Then you'll love this because I actually have a list of bonus features to tell you about. Oh, okay. We've got we've got interviews with Lamberto Bava, George Eastman, who, by the way, is also doing interviews for their upcoming releases of After the Fall of New York and Hands of Steel. And also an interview with uh, Michael Sopkew. 
hope I said that right. <laughs> I, 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 I'll screw it up as well. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, we're also going to get a commentary with SOPQ, moderated by Mondo Digital's Nathaniel Thompson. Now, we do have some, like, tentative, tentative um, sort of release date windows. Like, for instance, uh, Giallo in Venice, Panic, uh, The Great Alligator, Cry of a Prostitute, Almost Human, and Happy Hell Night. These are said to get uh, a late 2016 release. Okay. I know it's kind of vague, but it's, but, better, than, it's better than what we're used to getting. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> and apparently. Apparently, Blast Fighter is going to be coming out soon. Uh, I heard it was coming out summer of 2016. Well, it's almost the end of summer of 2016. <laughs> we only got a month left, so hopefully um, you'll see Blast Fighter available on Screen Archives or yeah. whatever. I know a lot of these are getting uh, released on 88 Films as well, so um, I feel like yeah. he's under the gun to get these out soon because I don't think 88 Films can release theirs until his are out in the wild. So Something like that, or vice versa. Yeah, something like that. Or 88 Films had to delay some of theirs. I don't know. I know there's something going on with that. A little, little, bit, some, a little bit of a feud going on. But uh, with some of these, like whoever gets it out first, I'll grab. <laughs> so Yeah. Like Blast Fighter, I think, is an 88 Films title as well. So Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, that's all the uh, that's all the Code Red titles I've got for you. So we're pretty much all caught up. Nice for now. Yep. Also, one other thing: if you're excited for Jungle Holocaust, like I am, apparently that's going to be an early 2017 release. So keep yeah. that in mind. Very cool. All right, man. All right, that's all I got for you this week. All right, Josh. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again next week. See you guys next week. And if you uh, want to keep track of these news, all these news articles that Josh puts uh, puts up, go to thescreamcast.com slash news, or I guess it's slash category slash news. Just go to thescreamcast.com and click on news. You'll see it all right there. Um, and uh, if you click on the news thing at the bottom, you'll find uh, Josh's uh, Twitter handle. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. All right, and Brad has joined us. So hey, Brad. hey, hey, Sean. So Brad has joined us. BJ has stepped out, and uh, all, along with us, Mike Sandlin. Hello, Mike. Did I pronounce that right? I hope I did. Yes, yes, you did. <sighs> Thank God. I always finally. Uh, is, is that your first name that you've gotten right on the first try? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Henderson. <laughs> You're lucky. Yeah. So, uh, Mike of grindhousevideo.com, finally on the show. We've been trying to uh, make this moment happen for a while, and, uh, it finally happened. Woohoo! So, if you've been listening along, I did say we were going to be talking to Arrow Video. That is wrong. Uh, that interview fell through. I was supposed to record it after me and BJ did the, uh, What's in a Doorstep segment. Didn't work out, but, uh, that's okay. We're going to be talking Crimes of Passion, Arrow's release. Uh, we're also going to be talking uh, Grindhouse Releasing's recent release of Cat in the Brain, and then we're going to be talking about uh, Severin's 
Dr. Butcher MD Blu-ray that just came out this week. So that's on the docket for today. But first, I need to give Brad a chance to let us know what's on his doorstep. So, How you doing, Sean? What's up, man? Um, What are you going to say? I was going to say, uh, it's good to hear your voice. I've missed it. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody else has, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I'll jump right into it so we don't take up too much more time. Um, I watched a uh, – you would probably like this. I think I texted this to you, Sean. Is, uh, there's a – it's only like 60 minutes. Not bad. Um, a documentary about uh, saving the DeLorean time machine. It's, oh. called, out of, it's called Out of Time, and it's about a uh, group of um, uh, basically restoration – uh, artists for cars and whatnot and props and all this other shit. They got this te- big team together, um, kind of, uh, kind of sponsored w- from Bob Gale, the, you know, creator of Back to the Future. Um, just restoring the original, um, car from Back to the Future. Um, there were three cars throughout the movie, car A, car B, car C. Um, car A was a uh, very detailed, um, a car that they used for, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, wide shots and close ups and everything like that. Then they had car B, which is more or less a stunt car that wasn't as detailed. And then they had, um, car C, which was, um, half of a car. Uh, so they could put the camera inside and do all these, uh, all this shit. Well, of course, car C didn't last that long because it was, you know, just half a car. Uh, car B was, uh, destroyed in the end of part three. Um, it's actually the car that gets hit by the train. And then uh, car A was the only original car left. So during that time, they used it um, for, uh, I guess, Back to the Future, like commercials for, you know, like cinematics and video games, uh, like TV. Um, they used it for a promotion. They had basically hired this actor to play Doc Brown. Uh, Universal to drive the car around and, you know, pretend all that shit. And he did that for years. And eventually, after that Back to the Future craze kind of died out, they just set the car to the side uh, in the sun. And it was on like a train track, basically, for, you know, a tour of Universal. You would go through and you would see all these movie cars and it just sat there. And it was, you know, dilapidated. It was falling apart. People were sealing parts off of it. Um, and so Bob Gale was really upset. So he requested that this car be restored. So basically the documentary is about a 12 month process of restoring the car, uh, to the fullest. These guys broke down to every single detail, to every single part, even original parts, contacting people. Basically, I'm, I'm not sure how they got the contact list. That was the only thing that wasn't, uh, but they actually like basically on a Facebook page, um, said, hey, if you ever stole anything from the original <laughs> car while you were visiting, could you please return it? Um, and they actually got, I guess, a few people to return um, items, and they had to bid on stuff on eBay and uh, to purchase some of these items back. But it was, it's interesting. It's a very short documentary, um, but it's very entertaining, uh, to say the least. So um, I was put out on Blu-ray by MVD, I believe. Oh, Virgil Films. Never mind. I think MVD is uh, distributing it. So uh, next up is a WellGo USA title called River. Um, this played at like Fantastic Fest or uh, South by Southwest, and I, I wanted to see it. I just never got around to it. 
it is about a um a doctor who uh sees a sexual assault happening and uh he basically gets involved and uh, kills uh spoiler alert it's not really a spoiler <laughs> um kills the you know basically the assailant um finds out that the assailant is kind of a popular person and he goes on the run now he's also um should have said this before. He's in, uh, he's in, um, he's in Laos and he's like part, part of like, you know, also in Thailand and stuff. Gotcha. So he's visiting. So he has like nowhere to run. He doesn't speak the language. Um, it, he is basically a fugitive. Um, he's getting caught up in this stuff and he's on the run. Um, basically he can't even say that he's innocent or, you know, it, may, it makes you think, like, if you're in a foreign country and you would get into trouble like that, you know, there's a chance that you're not going to be, you know, deported to the U.S. You would stay in the country. You know, there's a definite, you know, a million factors that play into, you know, something, you know, committing a crime in another country. What would happen if, um, you know, so it makes you kind of think. And it's just basically a, a run. Uh, he's running around the entire movie, but it's it's sort of suspenseful. It has some really cool moments. The ending is uh, definitely what makes the movie uh, work. Um, you know, that's definitely the selling point of this script is uh, the ending, which was uh, really cool. But yeah, it's you know definitely a you know fugitive on the run movie, um, but very like low key, basically just running through uh, you know Thailand and all that. Nice. Um, next up was, uh, art exploitations, uh, film, uh, the perfect husband. Um, yes, this, <laughs> um, Man, I have to I, say, I still need to dig into dive into mine now. I have to say, this is the first art exploitation movie where I wasn't on board at all. Like even bloody knuckles. I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I still enjoyed it for what it was worth and kind of the same thing with Horsehead, you know, Horsehead wasn't the greatest, but you know, and visually and, you know, um, you know, the score and, you know, it was decent on that, that aspect. This movie had nothing going for it. Mm. This is a lifetime movie just with a lot of blood. You know, that's what it felt like. It felt like a lifetime or like an A&E, like biography, real story, about a uh, about a man that takes control of his wife. I was thinking, being that it was you know kind of Italian esque too, you know Italian director and everything like that, we'd probably get a little more gruesome or you know kind of a unique story. And it's just very, it's the most cliche thing you can like. As soon as you're watching it, you're like, oh, I know what this is going to turn out to be. It wouldn't be that cliche, would it? Yes, it does. It goes directly to that. I don't understand it. So um, if you've seen it, please let me know. I would like to hear your thoughts of The Perfect Husband to see if you uh, saw anything in it that I didn't. I'll let so, you know. I need, to re- yeah. I, mean, I need to review it for the site, so uh, I will definitely uh, um, take you to task if you're wrong. Wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. We'll talk about it. Um, and then – a few um this is now for uh Fantasia Festival. I'll be discussing a, a, a couple movies I've watched for uh 
Fantasia Festival that's happening in Montreal right now. I got around to watching a few of their films um, that are playing. And uh, first up is going to be um, Shelley, which uh, I got to watch. It is um, – it's a movie. It's uh, about a pregnancy gone wrong, if that tells you anything. I feel like I've seen this movie a hundred times, so it's hard for me to really uh, pimp it out too much. It's um, it's about a woman who takes basically a job on the countryside um, with, with, a, with a husband and wife that are basically cut off from the world. No television, no electricity, n- none of that shit. Just, you know, farming, and that's it. Um, uh, some shit goes, you know, goes on. She uh, she gets pregnant, and um, it's about her pregnancy throughout and kind of uh, the um, psychological aspect to it. Um, and let's just say that, but directed by – okay, let's not say directed by. Let's say – some guy really, 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 really loves Roman Polanski and wants to make a Roman Polanski movie, but takes kind of a generic story, but turns it into a Roman Polanski-esque uh, kind of style. Um, so it's basically this woman dealing with her pregnancy, um, kind of the hardships, the psychological breakdown. The family is not quite right either, so it kind of fuels the fire a little bit throughout the movie. Um, that's pretty much it. I think people that like really love slow, 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 slow burns will enjoy it. I enjoy slow burns, but this was a little too slow and, uh, it didn't do a lot for me. So, um, next up I got to watch, uh, Red Christmas, which is a Christmas horror film that's coming out with um, D. Wallace uh, Stone. Well, actually, it's just D. Wallace now, right? Um, she is the star of it, which is pretty cool. It is um, a family get together, kind of like a uh, uh, like Christmas vacation type thing, but just not as funny. Um, a bunch of family members get together. They are visited by. This uh, man in um, basically this headdress and this cape wearing this mask, and he speaks really funny. And um, he's there to see the family and has something to show them. Uh, What he shows them is very upsetting to the mother, and they boot him out, throw him out on his ass. Uh, This is on Christmas Day. Uh, Throws him out on his ass, says, fuck you, never come back. Well, he comes back, and he starts picking off the family one by one. Um, That sounds cool, but the only problem with the movie for me was it can't decide if it's a comedy or a horror film. And it can't – and it doesn't blend the two together appropriately You know, because we see horror comedies all the time. They're gory. They're funny. But this isn't really that funny. It's just really weird. And um, I think that's kind of maybe the vibe they're going for, but the whole time you're confused because you think that you're going to laugh, but you end up don't. You, you don't you don't laugh at all. And then at times you think it's going to get really serious and maybe you know some you know dramas of the horror, and it doesn't really get that. It's you know steps off of that, pushes the brakes, and then kind of reroutes this way into kind of a comedy aspect, but never goes all the way. You know, so it's it's really like 
it's almost watching the movie. It's kind of jarring because you're trying to figure out exactly if you're supposed to be laughing, if you're supposed to be scared, if it's, you know, serious, um, if you're not supposed to take this family seriously. Um, and it's just, I haven't watched too many horror comedies that can't really blend the two together or kind of do it like a really serious, cause I thought they were maybe trying to do like a year next, um, type aspect where it's serious, but you're laughing throughout the movie just because of how the characters react. Um, cause I found your next funny at times. Mm. I laughed out loud, you know, um, <laughs> you know, even Joe Swanberg and AJ Bowen are arguing who can run faster. Like during all that, like they're getting stabbed and shot arrows and he's like, I can run. He's like, you can't run. You're too fat. <laughs> um, you know, just just things like that. You're just like, you know, Felix is like, uh, maybe they're using a phone jammer. And then Joe Swanberg's is like, you would know that, you fucking lowlife. Um, just aspects like that. It's it, I found humor in that. But this just never gets to that point where you're laughing. Um, so I'm kind of curious of how people uh, perceive it. Because, I mean, Christmas horror is a cool thing. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, that's some of their favorite movies – are based around holidays, horror films that are based around holidays. And it especially goes towards Christmas. There's just something with the lights, with the, you know, the colors, with the music. Um, it's supposed to be a really cheerful time for a lot of people. And growing up, it was always probably cheerful for a lot of people. So seeing kind of uh, violence happen in the background, I don't know. I think people like, I don't know. If, is it, you think, why, why do people like Christmas horror films? Like, I mean, because it's very popular. It's not like, you know... Cabin in the Woods movies or something like that or, you know, movies that take, you know, wilderness movies or – but Christmas horror movies really attract people and it's I, coming back. I think because like Christmas is always just so happy and cheerful and there's like – but there's also the cynical side of Christmas with all the consumerism. So it's nice to kind of, you know, yeah. have a few stabs at <laughs> the whole Christmas spirit through them. Yeah, which Krampus does that I thought yeah. did that did that well. Um but yeah, it's a it's it's a decent it's a decent movie if you are in the mood for something of that nature, I guess. I don't know. It's just maybe wasn't a hundred percent for me. Um, next up, I watched uh, a new Johnny Toe movie, which if anybody watches any Johnny Toe, you know that he is uh, one of the better uh, action movie directors out there. Um, he's made some killer fucking movies. Um, Johnny Toe is like. He's a little older now, but he's like kind of a, a well, I mean, even John Woo is a little low budget. He's basically John Woo, but his movies are prettier and they don't go to the extremes of John Woo, like, you know, standing in front of each other, shooting each other with shotguns, but still standing. <laughs> um, but Johnny Toe has made some uh, really good uh, flicks. I mean, he had Drug War a couple years ago, um, but this is his new movie called Three. Um, which is pretty fucking cool. The only thing I wasn't on board with, he's a lot of green screen in this movie. And, um, he also did, it's used appropriately, but he uses a lot of, um, kind of CG during, um, his, his movies are known kind of for shootouts and the shootout in this movie goes on for maybe about 15 minutes in one take, uh, basically, it's not. It, it's obviously the cameras cuts back and forth, but it's presented as one long, like fifteen minute shot. Um, 
it is about a gangster that is uh, shot in the head, um, and he's undergoing an operation in the hospital. And it's kind of secretive because they don't want anybody to know. Word gets out. His friends come to basically uh, uh, break him out of the hospital and, um, you know, save him. So um, he it's basically has to deal with, a, you know, kind of a lead detective, um, uh, the, the gangster guy. um and kind of more or less just his his partners um, trying to keep this low key, but also breaks out. And then they're on basically high alert on the hospital trying to figure out if his friends are coming. And um, the ending's kind of just explosive. It just, you know, gun battles. And the only thing that really got me was there is CG used too much, but I understand why he had to do it um, to kind of give that one shot. He does a lot of slow-mo. And it's basically the cameras like interweaving between all the characters in the shootout, just guns blazing, which was cool. It's just, um, you know, it kind of takes a little bit away from from the movie when you I don't know, I'm not anti CG, but there are times when it just kind of takes you out of the movie um, and this one kind of does at times, and then you kind of get drawn back into it because you're like, oh, man, that was really cool. And then, like, some guy, like, is flipping in the background, but it totally looks, you know, 100% just animated. You know, a guy's flipping back because he's got shot in the chest or something, and then the camera zooms around again, and people are shooting. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, you see, like, you know, this one was like pill bottles, like somebody has like a pill tray and it flips and all the pill bottles are spinning. And it's just like, like, looks like little pieces of animation, basically, like cartoons, like right then and there. Um, but all in all, it's a, it's a decent, it's a decent flick. Um, uh, Johnny Toe always kind of brings um, a lot to the table with his action movies. And if you haven't, uh, you kind of watched anything by uh by johnny toe i i suggest you do um like i said uh drug war was a really um a great film that he did um election which is really fucking cool he did that uh a few years ago um exiled is uh really good um mad detective uh, PTU is really fucking cool. A lot of great action sequences. So yeah, Johnny Johnny Toe. He's been in the industry since uh, basically the '80s, uh, making movies, and he's just kept going. He has like basically he's like uh, does like one or two movies a year, and he's just very consistent. And he's a really good director, and he has cool, unique stories that he makes you feel for characters. Like the movies like are action packed, like throughout shootouts and car chases. It's very story and character driven. And then he just erupts on screen with some like badass cool realism with the action. Like he doesn't go above and beyond. Nothing crazy is happening. He just has some really fucking cool shootout movies. So uh, nice. definitely watch that when, uh, when it um, comes out, I'm sure well go or someone will pick it up. Um, and last but not least on the Fantasia Festival, uh, this is definitely going to be in my top 10 of the year. I can already tell you that. Um, it's called Parasites. This movie is fucking killer. It's so fucking good. 
it's a DIY fucking exploitation attitude. It is exploitation movie, but DIY attitude, no fucks giving. Um, it's about three guys that get trapped in downtown LA at like two in the morning and they are fucking stalked by homeless people. So it kind of takes this like judgment night kind of story, but mixes it in. If you took like Jim Van Beber, like deadbeat at dawn and then had John Carpenter, like be like a first AD on this movie. That's what it was like. And it has this killer synth score. Um, it has, it kind of has this exploitation thing about it too. Not like visually or anything that they do, but a lot of exploitation movies, they just kind of violence is happening. But then they start playing like this weird country song in the background, or just something like just a very jarring like older song starts playing, like in Poor Pretty Eddie. Psycho from Texas, uh, Gator Bait, films like that, they do it. And it kind of like it really – I don't – Deliverance, kind of the same thing. It just really pulls you in. But with with Parasites, you know, it's inner city like L.A. And this song like starts playing when they're like running around and trying to survive. Um, but it really fits. But I think that's all, you know, with this kind of – this exploitation type attitude. It's, it's really in your face. Um, it's, it kind of like it, the only thing I guess I might, I'm trying to get to the criticism part is that it's just, it's just not grimy enough. Like exploitation movies, like vice squad and shit like that. You want to take a bath after you watch the movie. You just feel nasty. You feel dirty. You feel like maybe you haven't, you shouldn't have watched this movie. Um, it, it's too clean. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have enough teeth and it's not grimy enough. That was the only thing. But I mean, cause you're dealing with like homeless people and shit, but there's a lot of like really cool, like fucked up se- sequences in the movie. Um, but it's basically a, you know, run, a run for your, uh, life kind of mixed in. Like also this like warriors vibe too. Like basically running through the night, trying to survive on the street while this gang is trying to fucking kill you. Um, and it doesn't really get political with the homeless thing, which I thought was cool. It's just like an old school, like like I said, DIY exploitation movie. Um, so really, really cool. I'm hoping that it gets uh, distribution and gets out there because I, th- I think there's definitely a big audience for this because this is something that – we don't really have because we have like the 80s throwbacks. We have all these films that are doing them. But you want to be like old school exploitation movies that are being made by like any movies that are being now that have that kind of exploitation attitude. Like they're either really gory or they're kind of throwback. They're not getting that like kind of, you know, that filthy feeling um, or, you know, kind of just taking. Like even taking you know, like your anti heroes or the heroes in the movie, we don't get that anymore. We just get like characters that we're supposed to like or we end up do liking, um, but it doesn't really go there. You know, like even Green Room, fucking Green Room is fucking excellent. One definitely one of the best movies of uh, of the year, but like it's super violent. It's really good, but it's not dirty. And I think that's something that we're missing. I want to see some fucking killer 
like dirty exploitation movies. We got Greasy like, Greasy Strangler coming out soon, so. Well, Greasy Strangler isn't like that. Greasy Strangler's too funny. <laughs> You're laughing through the whole fucking Greasy Strangler. Uh, but I mean, uh, Greasy Strangler's nasty cuz there's a lot of like really fucking gross things that happen, but there's no exploitation. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, but there's ex- there's uh, comedies that are exploitation, but it's just like you yeah. know, that's, why aren't we revisiting kind of that genre? Can no one do that? Because I know exploitation was kind of a kind of an answer to independent cinema of you know people you know making movies against the grain without a studio, well, kind of doing do what they want. Digital video is also too clean now. Like the the exploitation, they were all using like sixteen mil, like just cheap film stock, and that's what made it feel a little more gritty. You yeah. know, everything's too clean now because of uh, digital photography. Yeah, no, I agree. There's actually one movie um, coming out, and I believe it was shot on uh, thirty five. And it's an exploitation kind of attitude as well. It's called My Father Die. Uh-huh. Um, and I talked about it when I was uh, at South by Southwest in March. Um, it's actually directed by Pierce Brosnan's son. Um, and Pierce Brosnan was like an executive producer on it. Wow. And I heard that and I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to see this movie. Because that doesn't like – that doesn't appeal to be like Pierce Brosnan is like – you know, executive producing like a like an action movie, but dude, it's like total fucking like grease and grime bullshit. You know, like backwoods hillbillies um, get into some, some shit. The father gets upset with the two brothers. You know, one of the brothers dies. Dad goes to jail. Dad gets out. Brothers like fuck you, dad. I'm hunting you down. And it's a really fucking cool movie. Uh, Parasites, I guess that's the reason why it's not grimy enough. It's digital. And it's just too pretty. Like, um, you know, kind of just seeing the lights in the city. Like, it has, like, you know, some Escape from New York vibes um, going on with it. Um, Like I said, Carpenter, kind of a Carpenter, Alan Howarth soundtrack. Very synthy. Really cool. Um, It has Robert uh, Miano plays the lead character as the... Um, Wilco as the main homeless guy who's he's always been an excellent actor and he really still has it. I mean, this dude's got to be like in his 60s now and he is just fucking relentless in this movie. He makes this movie spin and makes this movie go around. So I was really happy to see him back. I mean, he's played in a lot of exploitation films. I should, I think he was actually in Vice Squad that I mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, he's been in some really greasy and grimy horror, uh, horror exploitation film. So it's uh, nice to see him back on the screen. But yeah, Parasite's definitely 100%. Um, it's definitely going to be on my top 10. It's it's fucking excellent. Cool. All and right. That's, uh, that's pretty much all I have, man. That's it? Are you sure? I'm sure. I'll right. save everything for all this other shit for next week. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about Crimes of Passion Cat in the Brain and Doctor Butcher MD, but uh, like I said, Mike Sandel is on the show with us here. So, yes. Mike, uh, tell tell everyone now that we have you on the show, um, tell everyone a little bit about like when you started up Grindhouse Video and and why and, and all this. Give, give us the brief history of of Grindhouse Video, man. Um, well, it all kind of like the whole video part kind of started like basically I quit my job. I was working at a restaurant and I hated the owner. So I told him to go suck a dick. <laughs> um, literally I walked out of a Saturday night dinner service with nice. 
await at the door and I'm just like, fuck you. I'm out. God, there's so many times I wanted to do that when I was a server. <laughs> oh man, he, he totally deserved it. Um, but anyway, so I, I had some money saved up and kind of didn't have a job for a while and that started running out. So I didn't want to go look for another job. So I started selling DVDs at the flea market and, uh, I did that like I went out one week and I stayed out there every weekend for like nine months. Um, it was fun. Like I could just talking to people about movies and um, the money wasn't great, but it was enough to keep me going. And uh, a friend of mine was noticing how many DVDs I was selling and he, a, a place opened up Um where the store is now used to be a comic book store and the comic book store ne moved next door. And my friend opened a record store in the back and I ended up taking, uh, the old comic book store. Um, it was a huge risk. Cause I mean, basically I looked at it like it was only like a couple hundred dollars more a month to rent that and be open for seven days. than I was paying at the flea market. Oh. And so I was just like, all right, uh, my mom gave me a thousand dollars and that's what I opened the store with Wow, was, uh, the DVDs I had, which were still, you know, flea market DVDs. They weren't the greatest. Um, but I just was like, all right, whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to work for anybody. And, uh, it just kind of worked out in my favor. And the first God, first nine, ten months were really rough. Like every month I was basically ready to close. Like <laughs> financially, it was not good. And then, you know, I'm like, all right, I don't know how I'm going to get rid of all these DVDs. I got to have a he sale. Met me. He met me. No, that was it wasn't it. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I'd be like, all right, um, I don't know how to – I I can't pay rent. And then somebody would come in like that day and drop like 200 bucks. I'm like, okay, now I can pay rent. Um, so I guess I'm open for another month. And that <laughs> happened literally like for six months straight. Wow. Like it was just inching by like month to month. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but everybody just started coming in and I started seeing familiar faces and it just blew up from there. Nice. Um, now the store, you know, is, is pretty much running on its own. Um, last month really sucked, but, uh, <laughs> the first 10 days of July, I actually sold what I did on in all of June. Nice. So it's just, it, if I have a slow month, the next month just totally makes up for it. Um, but yeah, it was just out of not wanting to find a job, like not wanting to work for anybody anymore. You know, I've, I've kind of always been the guy that wants to own a business. And back when I was into music, I wanted to open a music store and then the music business crashed. And it's like, I don't want to open a music store anymore. Like, what am I going to do? And I just kind of fell into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing was planned. N absolutely nothing was planned. Um, and I, I think that might've been why it worked. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a hunger out there f for shops like this and like around me, there's nothing like 
it's a wasteland. Like all the video stores, I used to would just go to like Hollywood Video or Blockbuster and browse the uh, you know used movies and stuff like that, like just for fun because that was the only thing I had here. And then all those are gone now. And then now it's just Best Buy, Walmart, and Target that bullshit. And there's nothing as far as any of these companies. I mean, Arrow sometimes I guess shows up in a few Best Buys. Screen Factory is kind of showing up. But otherwise, it's all like just Lionsgate titles, you know, as far as horror goes and anything mainstream. If you're lucky, even like, yeah, I, mean, I was just in Best Buy today and I'm like, really? <laughs> they're they're still selling the worse. old uh, Digibook uh, Halloween from like four years ago. Yeah. It's like, are you why? Why? Why are you doing this? That's how it is in Lakeland. It, I remember the horror kind of used to be like one long strip. You know, like uh, five or six cool. sections, and now it's literally like a section, but it's also mixed in with partially sci-fi. Yeah. So like, well, it's dude, nothing. The the anime section is is just as big as the horror section. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Like, and that yeah, anime I, section never moves. Like, there's always the same amount all the time. Like, I mean, oh, I know yeah. a lot of people love anime, but yeah. it is not mainstream at all. Yeah. Like, not even close. Like, it's a it's a niche in, inside a niche. Like, and it's the same exact size. It's sometimes bigger than yeah. the horror section. And I don't think they realize, Um, I mean, I have a horror store. And yeah. I'm, I'm actually in the process of looking for a bigger building because I've outgrown mine. <laughs> like, I am... I'm selling more. I mean, just think about it. Like last year, my top selling title uh, was American Guinea Pig um, because it's a local film and everything. And I sold 15 copies just this year, like in April um, pieces. And then later, later, uh, Bride of Reanimator came out. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I sold close to 75 copies of pieces wow, and over a hundred copies of brighter reanimator. So that's how fast I'm growing. Yeah. That's like, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm now ordering 30 and 50 copies of things just to keep up, you know, <laughs> with not having to reorder every week. Right. Um, right. so, you know, I, I just don't think these big guys get it. Like, I don't think they're paying attention to the market at all. Well, I think horror fans, too, like, we like kind of getting out of our, you know, our caves every now and then and actually talking to other horror fans <laughs> about horror movies. I mean, then these types of shops are, have always been the kind of places you'd go do that. I mean, I would, I was a huge into like punk rock and metal and I would go to the local music store and we would just bullshit for hours and listen to music and then I'd buy a few things and I'd be on my way and, and it's like there's nothing like that now, like at all. No, um, the only place nearby is for me is like half hours called Mad Platter. It's in like a college area, and they sell vinyl and use Blu-rays, but they they have like nothing in horror. Like there's nothing. Like they got nothing. It's all mainstream type stuff, you know. So I'm trying to find out where the hell all the uh, horror collectors are in my area. Maybe I'm just. It's just. You know, it's you should open a store. It's white boy suburbia out here. So I, don't I, know. I would not. In, in all seriousness, I would not recommend anybody doing what I'm doing. <laughs> not, not because I don't want competition, but because there is literally, like, I'm the store is doing really well. Um, I still haven't taken a paycheck, and in November it's going to be two years. Right. 
like I I am borrowing money basically here and there to buy food and <laughs> and gas and stuff, but I'm not like oh my paycheck is X amount. Like I I, I I'm not there yet. You know I'm not, there not seven days. The, uh, chroming out the rims and stuff like that in the car. No no no. <laughs> I, I I still like I've needed an oil change for like six months. Like. <laughs> Like, you know, I, 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 I'm there seven days a week. Um, today I took the day off to, uh, uh, pick the bones of the closing movie stops here in, in town. Nice. Um, bought some fixtures and like a printer and their DVDs were 20 cents. So I just loaded up on a bunch of stupid shit. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm for the most part, I'm there seven days a week. Um, yeah. and it's not fun. Like <laughs> it, I'm, I'm always working like, you know, and so I wouldn't recommend it for anybody, honestly. <laughs> it, it's, it's really, it's not hard, but it can wear you the fuck out, you yeah. know, especially with, you know, doing the website also. And, you know, every morning I'm shipping. So I'm, I'm at the store from noon to eight, but my day starts at eight in the morning, you know, finishing doing shipping and then getting ready and, you know, going to the post office on the way to the store and doing this and this. And, you know, by the time I get home, I'm just like, I don't even want to watch a movie. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, you know? Yeah. But, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's the downfall, right? To, to that kind of, that kind of stuff. That's good, man. But you know, you're, uh, you're making a lot of people happy. So, you know, yeah, and honestly, you know, I like it's gonna pay out I, for you. I hope it does. I'm I'm having fun, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, like the store is getting more and more popular, and like just in the last couple of weeks, I've seen a ton of new faces. Um, and as soon as they walk in, they're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" <laughs> um, you know, the this the selection of of new and used has has massively been upgraded since mm-hmm. the the first few months of me being open. How, how picky are you when people bring in used stuff for you to sell? He's not, he'll accept anything. (laughs) I, I, if, if Brad comes in with the crap that he brings me and I take it, I will literally take anything, but it's proof right there. It's like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I just heard you talking about this on the show. Um, and you said nothing good about it. Thank you very much, Brad. <laughs> hey, so do you want a copy of the perfect husband? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can kind of tell from the, like listening to the show, what I'm going to get next time. Brad shows up. <laughs> it's so true. Cause he jokes about it every fucking time. That's <laughs> hilarious. Well, I, I got, I have two. He basically boxes is like, "Hey, how many RLJ titles?" Do you <laughs> oh, exactly. I have a couple of boxes I've been meaning to send you. I finally put the address on it, Mike. So you'll be getting some stuff. From You're me. getting there, baby steps. Baby it's, steps. It's cra- it's just ridiculous with my schedule. I'm you know going to the post office is a pain. I could I hate going to the post office, and I only get like an hour. I would go, I would go on my lunch break, and I gotta only have an hour. And I, don't, I really don't want to go to the post office on my lunch break. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm lucky. There's a post office on the way to work, yeah. so I probably will tomorrow. I got to send our prizes out too to our uh, winners or from like six months ago. Brand- no, well, no, I think we I think we're handling <laughs> that right, Brad. Right, we got yeah. We get the magnet stuff like, out. Yeah, yeah, Sean. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> took you for fucking ever to get me the addresses. Now it's like all on me. He sends me the address. Yeah. Like two months later, he's like, oh, it's you. you Let's go, you motherfucker. Get it? get it now. <laughs> did you get it now? It's like, dude, give me a break. I just got the addresses. <laughs> all right. So I want to jump into these movies, but uh, we're probably going to go along in this episode, everybody. So, you know, sit back, get, grab yourself uh, some sweet tea and uh, take a load off. But uh, I wanted to discuss with you guys, Josh and I went through these for the news segment, but the Arrow and the Scream Factory announcements, uh, I just want to know if there's any that kind of jump out to you guys. Uh, uh, Slumber Party Massacre 2. Yes. And yeah. 3. Yeah. They're doing a yeah. double feature. Sweet. Yeah, 3 is three's great, too. I actually like that whole trilogy. I know that Willard was a huge one. Um, yeah. it's, it's funny because I was like, look, I've never seen the original Willard and I've only had only really known of the, uh, the remake with the uh, Crispin Glover. And I never knew that there's a sequel to Willard. So when I saw the announcement, I, I thought it was just one movie called Willard and Ben. So I was like, Willard and Ben, what the fuck is that? That's bullshit. So I kept on moving down the list. But uh, apparently Willard and its sequel Ben is a pretty big deal. So a lot of people yeah, are excited. Never been yeah, I think, I think Ben is actually. I think Ben is actually the more rare title because okay. did that even yeah. get a home video release? I don't think they got any. I think other they never moved past VHS. Yeah, and they're very rare, so they've been bootlegged to death. Yeah, there's some du- there's some duplicates on here, like Rabbit's getting a scream release. Uh, Arrow did that. Uh, Dead Ringers, I know, was out on Umbrella. Yep, Aust- yeah, well, uh, Australian. So there's we're finally getting into the, in the U.S. here. I'm excited about Dreamscape and Bubba Hotep for sure. So yeah, Bubba Hotep is is I love that movie so much. It's so, so stupid, yeah, and and awesome. <laughs> but there's some good ones. I mean, it was like nothing like, oh my god, they're releasing this like nothing amazing. But I mean, it's a you know it's a damn good mix. I think of stuff. You know, there's no, there was nothing that really. Really I think it's their head. most solid announcement yet. They're all solid flicks, for sure. Yeah. Slumber Party Massacre. That, that's really Hell all yeah. that they needed to announce. Hell yeah. Um, as far as the Arrow goes, um, let's see. Their big Herschel Gordon Lewis set uh, sold out. The, the fancy limited edition thing with a bunch of uh, shit you probably don't need. But uh, that thing looked gorgeous. So that got, that was been sold out, um, as far as the U.S. goes. I believe they have like 150 U.K. titles left. I'm yeah, not sure they're not if they're going to ship to the States on those. Cause, uh, um, I've heard people saying that they could not get it to go through. Right. I think it's such a heavy box US. set. I think that it's just wouldn't make sense for them to, you know, to ship it. I don't know. Who knows? But, um, Yes, yeah, so as far as U.S. goes, those are sold out. Diabolic uh, handled that. Yeah, and um, shout out to Jesse and Diabolic, man. The, that is a huge thing for them. Yeah, it's exclusive and incredible. Um, I'm, I'm like, I mean, you know, we're we're competition, you know, for the like my website and theirs, but we actually talk back and forth and have little conversations about how much we hate Amazon and. <laughs> You know, like when I saw that, I'm like, dude, that's that's fucking awesome. Like, you yeah. know, I would love yeah. to be able to get something like that, but he's been doing it like ten times longer than me. Yeah, he's like a lot more so, than you have. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I, yeah, that was really cool that they got that and that it went so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I do not envy him having to ship all of it out. Um, <laughs> that's the one good thing about having the smaller site. You know, is, there's going to be a couple that somehow don't end up on the person's doorstep. Like yes. you and me had that problem with the goddamn oh, Bride of Reanimator. Bride of Reanimator. It's stuck man. in friggin' Bell Gardens, California. Some asshole has it. I'm pissed off. But yeah, shipping's got to be crazy. Um, but they do have uh the the regular set that's just the discs and and uh it is pretty pretty beautiful little uh box. That uh, are you going to be getting that in? Yes, uh pre-orders for that my pre-order link went up um yesterday, I okay. think, day before. Sweet. And I've already got 10 orders for it. Um which is ridiculous. Uh like it, it, I love Herschel Gordon Lewis. Like he has ties to to the Florida, you know, film scene. Um, and I really think that it's going to be a really big seller. If you definitely want one, you need to get your order in because 2,500 seems like a lot for something like that. Yeah. But honestly, with the way arrow, like dude battles beyond him or battles without, without honor, honor and humanity, humanity. <laughs> that one sold out. Yeah. And that was like 3000. Yeah. Um, so, and that's Damn like it. way more obscure. I'm gonna get than, in trouble. My, you're gonna get me in trouble with my, with my wife. Hey, Sean, what's this? Uh, almost two hundred dollar <laughs> charge. But you know, really, like, jump on this because there's a shit ton of movies in this. Yeah, I like don't know if they're 14? gonna do. Yeah, like I don't. Blu-rays. I don't. I don't know if they're gonna end up doing like single releases for right. this one. Cause that's a lot of movies. Yeah. They're doing it with, with the battles series, but yeah. you know, you don't get the extra discs and stuff that were in the box set, yeah. but uh, you know, you never know, like they're not going to announce it. They're not going to tell you whether or not you're going to get a, a un, you know, unlimited release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, this box looks awesome. Uh, I've only had it up a couple days and, it, it, I'm selling them like crazy. So the, uh, the other one that I'm excited about is, uh, dark water. Um, not the American remake, the original. Yes. Um, by the director of Ringu. And, uh, I, I, I love that movie and I'm excited that it's going to get a, you know, an arrow release. Uh, what else we got here? Vamp was announced. Has that been on Blu-ray before? Yeah. It, okay. There's a, uh, image. Things. Okay. There's an image uh, Blu-ray for it, which I've heard. I don't have it. I own the Arrow one, but it, oh, I've heard it kind of sucks. Suck. Yeah, um, I have it. I ha- it's part of the, the Midnight Madness collection. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The Arrow one um, is a region free, so I've been actually carrying the Arrow one in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I don't have to get them from the UK anymore. That's nice. Okay, so this is, um, so it's been UK exclusive UK. Now it's going to be a dual. Yeah, okay. it, same thing as the stuff. Like, yeah, okay, okay. All right. It well, I, I, yeah, Vamp's one I hadn't picked up yet, and uh, so I'll probably grab that. But, um, I mean, nothing like the Hershey Gordon Lewis thing was is pretty cool, but uh, nothing got me all, like, excited, like, the, when they were announced slugs. I mean, I think that was, like, you know. Or Microwave Massacre. Oh, yeah. I, that is probably going to be my, like, I can't fucking wait until that comes out. <laughs> Yeah, I've that movie is so horrid and amazing. It it's so stupid. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. If it's on the level of stupidity that Slugs is, I'm all in. 
I think it's stupider than slugs. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's definitely it, stupider than slugs. But it's so good. It's It's got like this weird charm to it where you just want to keep watching. Nice. It's so good. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Arrow's killing I'm sure, it. I'm sure Brad loves Microwave Massacre. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's it's. Do you really, or are you just being an ass? No, I really love microwave masks. <laughs> okay, because you usually, me, usually, for those that don't know, me and Brad have zero in common as far as movies. <laughs> we, yeah, he is a he's he's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, the Arrow continues to think to kill it. Uh, Scream Factory is, you know, they're they're improving and. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's just a solid, this is like a double whammy of announcements. Um, you know, no, I mean, is nothing as huge. I think the Halloween box set was the hugest. Like that was like people went ape shit when that was released or when that was announced, you know, there's nothing like that ha- has happened in the, in the past couple of years. But, um, but I think, I think screen factor is getting more and more solid, especially with their, with their collector's editions for sure. So, um, all right. Are you guys ready to move into these movies here? Sure. Yeah, sure, Sean. Oh yeah, baby. Let's uh let's start off with uh Crimes of Passion. There are no secrets in the dark. There is no act that cannot be committed. In Women in Love, he crossed forbidden boundaries. In altered states, he explored the unknown powers of the mind. Now he explores the most provocative power of all. A woman who lives in two worlds. A man who must lose himself to possess her. They are strangers. They are lovers. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. The star of Body Heat and Romancing the Stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power. And introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of Passion, the most talked about movie of the year. Ooh. A Sick Ken time. Russell film starring Kathleen Turner and Anthony Perkins. I had no idea what to expect of this movie at all. I have, I've, you I, saw it's directed by Ken Russell. I saw it right? directed by Ken Russell, so I kind of maybe. But this was the first Ken Russell film I think I've actually seen. Didn't you watch Layer of the White Worm? Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. I'm about to say because we kind of covered. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. So Layer of the White Worm. Okay, he has a thing for metal dildos. Apparently. No, he has a thing for sex. Well, yes, that's a given. Layer of the White Worm is a little less sexual than uh, Crimes of Passion. And uh, what's what's the other one that he did, did that we talked about that won't get a will never get nice. an uncut release? Uh, the he's Devils. done the Devils. The Devils did Altered States. Yes. Okay, I've seen Altered States. Okay. Did uh Tommy. Okay. Did um yeah, I mean he's got quite right. the filmography. Right. 
Well, Crimes of Passion, I bought specifically just because their artwork for it was so badass. And the fact that it starred Anthony Perkins and Kathleen Turner. So I was like, I don't need to know anything else about this movie. I'm in. And uh this thing was like a fever dream. This thing was so weird. I I, I have no I had no idea what to expect, so I just don't even it's like a stage play. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, re- it's like a really well-lit stage play directed <laughs> by Ken Russell. Yeah, like when I was watching it, the whole time I'm like, this seems like they just put up a camera and filmed a play. Like, yeah. Scenes, like, there's no cutaways. The camera doesn't move. It, and the way it's lit with like the reds and blues and everything, like – it just seems like it's a play. It is really weird. Mm-hmm. And the dial- the dialogue is very heightened too, like like stage play kind of dialogue for sure. Yeah, a little bit of overacting mm-hmm. here and there. You know? Yeah, but I definitely think that's part of the film. I, I don't think it's anybody's yes. like. I, I think Ken Russell because I mean he does that dude when fucking you know um, shit. What's his Oliver? Um, God, what's I completely the guy in the devils? Jesus Christ, he's in fucking. Uh, Jesus Venom. Christ That's, is in the devils actually. <laughs> uh, in Venom too. God, I can't remember. But anyways, like he fights fights the fucking rubber alligator. You know, it's just really over the top in the devils. That's kind of what Ken Russell's all about. Oh, Oliver Reed. Has, Oliver Reed. Thank you. He has some really like just really over the top sequences in all his movies. Yeah. Um, you know, and even layer the white worm, there's some really (laughs) crazy sequences and I I don't know. It's just, he really, I don't know. It's just part of his warped kind of, you know, sexual, hypersexual mind. Yeah. It's the, the film's really weird. I mean, it's about, I mean, Kathleen Turner plays, uh, Joanne. Fashion designer. (laughs) Well, yeah, fashion designer, but she also. Moonlights as China Blue. Yeah, China uh, Blue's her persona. Uh huh. And uh, that's a that's a prostitute, people. <laughs> but um, but no, she <laughs> she, she moonlights as that. Synopsis of I, I, I'm the worst at synopsis, and I apologize. Uh, but then we also have uh, what is it? Uh, who's who plays? Uh, is it John Laughlin, Bobby? Yeah, Grady. Who's in a kind of a fa- not really fail marriage, but a very stale marriage uh, with Aunt Annie Potts from Ghostbusters. That was fun to see her in there. Um, he's in a stale relationship, and of course, he, you know, uh, Kathleen Turner, like her character Joanna, works for him, right? No, no she I just, I just, she he uh, he gets hired to investigate inve- who's that's stealing. Right, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the patterns or whatever. That's right. So yeah, I'm I'm horrible at retaining what uh, these goddamn plots are. And this movie was so out there, I was just trying to keep up with it. So <laughs> I don't know. I so he's he's hired to basically keep tabs to see. Um, basically, um, it's so basically the uh, this like was it the the cell, the patterns to. Um, his competitor. Yeah, to to the competitors. And so he, he gets, follows her. Yeah, yeah, like he follows her and then finds out that she's moonlighting as a as a hooker. 
Yeah, and he he doesn't say anything, and then he uh, ends up, um, you know, falling for her while on the same side they have the the Reverend uh, Reverend Shane, who, um, you know, basically does his, uh, you know, his sermons, and then... uh, But he only does his sermons after he's like watch uh yeah, and have yeah. sex or some girl dance and then, and then he does his uh what what does he what does he do what, what kind of drug does he do is it uh um, i don't know i don't know i don't i've never done drugs so i have no <laughs> idea what he was sniffing <laughs> he's sniffing something uh for sure. I forget i i think uh well anyways anyways he he he's either he sniffing sniffs. heroin cocaine or crack i don't know do you no, do, do no, you sniff no, crack no, i don't no, know no. No, he doesn't. He's not doing that. Pixies, he's, sm- yeah. he's sniffing the marijuana. <laughs> so he watches the, you know, the peep shows, does his drugs, and uh, basically says thanks to prostitutes, especially China Blue. Yeah, yeah. That that scene, like toward the beginning, with uh, where they meet, was amazing. Like the the dialogue between the two um, was just awesome. Like it's it's short, but it just kind of sets up that whole relationship between the two. Yeah. Like she can see right through him. Um, and he, you can almost see that he's instantly obsessed with her. Yeah. You know, just he, by the way he, like, he looks at her. And he claims he like wants to save her. Yeah. That's like his, his whole, whole, uh, whole big deal. And then, but he like in his bag, he has, which the dildo comes in the, they call it, what he calls it? Superman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, basically has has the the dildo. So it, it, she's had, has these multiple relationships, which she, you know, she's obviously, um, you know, uh, you know, le- leads this uh, double life, but then kind of gets caught up in everything. And then you have uh, Bobby, Bobby Grady, who um, is is be- kind of falling in love with her. And man, they have. Quite the sex scene. Oh man, yeah. Arrow, Arrow put that scene sex. on the menu. I'm so glad my kids Dude, didn't, kids didn't walk could, yeah. into the room. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I, was like, oh, I it was like early Saturday morning. <laughs> I was like, you know, I haven't seen Cry of the Passion uh, in a while, so I put it on. So like I'm like doing things around the house while it's loading, and then I look, and it's just the shadows and <laughs> bang. And I was like, holy shit! I was like, that's you know, that's awesome. But man, I had like that's. It's crazy. Well, Arrow also did that on uh, on Last American Virgin. They put uh, a scene where a girl her shirt falls off, like in the menu, and I had that playing one day because I was getting ready to. I, I'd, I'd finished watching it, or I was going to watch it, and I said, and the kids turned on the Blu-ray player or something like that. And also, my wife looks up, and she's like, "What are you watching?" <laughs> you know, so it's just boobs <laughs> up there, kids running around. So Arrow has no shame as far as that goes. So tread carefully on Arrow's menus. Well, most of the titles that they put out yeah. uh, are for a certain audience. I know. I know. I, you know. Not for kids. <laughs> I know. I just always end up having kids running around at the wrong times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, I mean, Anthony Perkins, I thought was fantastic in this. This He did this right before uh, Psycho 3. And I kind of want to see more of his, you know, later films. You know, I, I I feel like he's always he's always great. I feel like he's one of those actors that I haven't seen enough of. You know, he's been in so much, but you always just think about him in Psycho. But, um, I mean, he's done so many movies. I need to try to track down some of these things because, uh, I mean, he's just so crazy as this reverend, and it, it, I, I don't, 
think I've seen him be that, you know, kind of sick and twisted. Yeah, he's, he's really good at it. Am I, am I missing anything? Has he been that kind of, uh, seedy and just gross? I mean, other than Norman Bates, of course, but. But even as Norman Bates, he's more of a nerd. Right. Like he's more like low key. Um, he's not that crazy, you know, street preacher type character. Like, you know, he, even, especially in the, uh, in like, I think it was like two and three. Like where, you know, he's back and he's trying not to. The one with Meg Tilly in it. Um, is that two? I can't, I can't uh, remember. Three. I don't, I can't remember. Either. Anyway, that one, like he's trying not to go crazy. Right. Like he, right. And they're trying to make him crazy. So he doesn't even play that kind of character in Psycho for that, you know, that much. You don't, not that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of an internal battle in, in Psycho, but as a street preacher in, in Crimes of Passion, he's fucking nuts. Yeah. He's he's really good in Edge of uh Edge of Sanity. That one I still haven't seen. Yeah. Gonna, screen okay. screen put that out. Um but yeah, um back to China Blue, uh or Kathleen, Crimes of Passion. Yeah, Kathleen it's called, Turner. It's called it's called China Blue. Um in other countries. Yeah. I, that's why I was confused. Yeah, it's called China Blue. Um, but anyways, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think Ken Russell has definitely, I mean, if anybody has seen a Ken Russell movie, he has a weird, every movie's different and you can only tell it's a Ken Russell movie by how weird it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's <laughs> like, he, he's very diverse. He's a, a great director. Cause I mean, watching this, something so like cinematically wonderful as such as the devils like shot wise score wise acting wise like it, the devils i mean when you watch if you're a filmmaker and you watch the devils you just like why the fuck do i even try like what's the point when i can't make anything that's even close to like the devils the devils is amazing and then he does something like this it's like what the fuck and layer of the white worm and then he did like some like tv movies as well, he's just like all over the place, and it's just it really is kind of like little passions projects, and it's just him like ha- puts movies in a different world because we have so many directors that we could tell, oh, that's a Carpenter movie, that's a Craven movie, you know, that's a Quentin Tarantino movie. You can't really do that with Ken Russell. If no one has seen a Ken Russell film and you play three movies, there's no correlation uh, w- w- with those films whatsoever, and that's uh, other really- than the weirdness factor, I think. Right, but you're not going to pick that up. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of weird movies, but as far as, like, the eye and music and, you know, kind of that. The other thing is over-the-top acting at times, but honestly, his movies don't relate to me uh, to or relate to each other. But for some reason, I'm drawn to everything he's doing. So, um, I don't know, man. He's, he's just a hell of a director, and uh, he's he's made some killer flicks and this is just one like hypersexual story that's really fucking weird and cool and i don't know it, it, this is something that you feel dirty at the end yeah. of i think like well, he did it, the he did the movie whore i remember seeing the vhs uh cover of that so many times in the video store and i would always stare at it there's a there's a line <laughs> there's a line in whore where the guy a guy drives up and um, he says, uh, 
God, what is? I forget what he or he 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 rolls up and he says to the prostitute. He just rolls on his window. And he says, "Hey, I want to fuck you in the ass." And she goes, "Go fuck yourself." And he goes, "I would if I could, bitch." And he drives <laughs> off. And it's just like that's so. I guess that that's what Ken Russell relates because it's like such a Ken Russell like line, like kind of just. But it's that it's that sex thing because even the devils, man, the, the amount of sex and the orgy. The X-rated, uh, you know, sequence in that that was taken out that you can't really, you know, find the orgy and like, you know, the the orgy, the basically the, you know, where they're fucking Christ and shit like that. It's just <laughs> insane. Uh, or the rape, actually, the rape, rape of Jesus Christ is what it is, and it's just like, you know, he really knows how to churn it out, and and this is just something extra. Um, you know, I know that you said I wanted to go to the artwork when you mentioned it. This artwork relates nothing other than just the colors of the film. Right. Because, like, it looks like some kind of, like, neo-noir Blade Runner type cover. But yeah, it's just, it does kind of look like Blade Runner. Yeah. And it's just, like, some seedy motel movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With, like, nothing but, like, the outlight or the outer, like, neon lights from the signs that are outside lighting the actual set. Um. But yeah, it, it, I I really think if you enjoy Ken Russell in general, you would really really dig this movie. And if you like kind of uh, gritty sex movies, uh, this is another one that's for you. Did you guys any of you did you guys check out the uncut or the theatrical? I watched the uncut. I don't watch that theatrical shit. I watched. I had it on the- DVD. Um, so I've seen the theatrical cut. So I, I've never I, seen the un- unrated. I saw the theatrical. So I wanted to ask you, what's the difference? Is there just more explicit? Because I know there's certain things like he would just cut to like a picture for a second, you know? Uh, no, there's full on like long sex sequences and sucking on titties and stuff. Okay. So it's just extended. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember the car sequence when she's in the car and like the guy's like groping her and like yeah. sucking on her boobs and stuff. So like okay, that, so it just extends that kind of stuff a little. Yeah, more, that probably. scene went on forever. The okay. sex scene went on forever. Like I don't remember it being that long. No pun intended. <laughs> I don't remember, um, you know. But, I, but those I scenes know. are. I mean, you can tell. I guess in in this one because they're kind of a lesser or more standard version, standard definition on the Blu-ray. For I don't remember uncut. her sucking his toes. Hmm. That yeah, that was, to me. No, that, that was in the theatrical. That was, that was in theatrical. Toe sucking okay. in the in theatrical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that scene uh, kind of shocked me. I didn't expect to see that. Especially, like, after you know, his feet are to be stinky. Like that's just well, going to be some she, toe jam in there. Like just... he doesn't. She doesn't take off like nice socks. They're like <laughs> yeah. like old like white tube socks that he's been wearing with with sneakers. That's like, like and then mm. you, yeah. I mean, people have feet fetish. Taste ripe. Foot fetish. Ugh. <laughs> so anyways uh definitely pick it up it's a beautiful transfer it looks great um you know like i said it's ken russell so you know what if you dove in any ken russell you know what you're getting yourself into. i need to is one of those i need to add this to the uh give this a second chance pile I have Ooh, little... he did gothic too that's really fucking cool. oh shit we got to bring back our uh vhs oh my god and and or no that's that's on uh you know on the voodoo right yeah, it's on Voodoo HD. We gotta bring back our segments at some point. We yeah, gotta stop going, doing three hour shows so we can finally get those segments back. Um, 
Cool. I'm, I'm very happy with this. This, this is going to get added to my, uh, need to rewatch again and pay some att- pay you attention. A, you weren't a fan? I was, I, I think I was just so taken aback. I mean, I had no idea what I was in store for. I did, I avoided watching a trailer or reading anything about it. All I knew was who starred in it and that it was a Ken Russell. So I, I had no idea. And, um, I liked it, but it, I was definitely took me a while to kind of get, in, get in its groove. Well, how about we sell it on that slipcover? Because I'm not a big fan of slipcovers. Oh, slipcover is gorgeous, man. But, dude, the way this feels. Get this like, under a blacklight, too. What is up with the feeling of that? You feel that? You're touching it right now? Yeah, I am, actually. Like, it's, like, super duper smooth. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm like touching a, it. It's like, oh, a, wait. Slipcover? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a different texture. I yeah, it, it, they, uh. Oh, a boner. It's nice. Weird. This is nice. Oh, God. Please I like don't. sex. Yeah, this is, this is one of those titles that I always saw in the video store, and like the cover, you know, was like, all right, I can because back then it was like my muse, my movie picking with being a fifteen-year-old hormone-driven little boy um, was based on are there going to be boobs? <laughs> I think that's why I loved horror is because there usually was. Um, but yeah, it was, it's like, I never watched it. I never rented it, but it, the cover always drew me. Cause it's just kind of, like, kind of doing a weird squat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? This is probably one of those movies that looks like it's going to have boobs and it doesn't. So I never got it and <laughs> I should have, cause it has, it has some, uh, some nice, uh, scenery in it. You, you so, would not yeah. have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Not right. at all. Awesome. Um, I suppose, do you, any of you guys go over the special, uh, the special features on this thing? I, I, uh, I need, I want to no, hear Ken Russell talk about this thing, but I didn't, I didn't have time to dive into it, but, uh, um, Ken Russell and, uh, producer screenwriter Barry Sandler basically had a discussion. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, I, I don't think I watched anything else in the special yeah. features though. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Yep. It's going to be, I'm going to be digging into that further as a uh, as i get the time let's move in to grindhouse releasing uh their blu-ray of cat in the brain try to concentrate on the metronome you will do everything i tell you to do you nearly killed the telejournalist and smashed a camera yeah stick on fire and then you started to tear off mrs herbert's clothes but you won't remember anything. You will slowly be possessed by madness. You'll think you've committed terrible crimes. What's the matter with you, pussy? Kills and wreaks the horror. Just like you do in your films. Doesn't look real to me yet. Get him out of my sight. I'll create an evil being who everyone will think is you. A man. Bloodthirsty monster. 
Your films, your scripts will condemn you as the murderer. After all, doesn't that stupid old theory say that seeing violence on the screen provokes violence? Hmm? <laughs> We've talked about Grindhouse releasing quite a bit, and uh, this is one of those where they're you know kind of like the Beyond. This has the glow in the dark slipcase, and it's releasing it with the the soundtrack in there. They also what other movies have they done the soundtracks to? Did they do that to uh, Cannibal Holocaust? Uh, yeah, they did it to um, the Big Gun Down, mm-hmm. and they've done it to uh, an American Hippie in Israel for the limited edition. Nice. I mean, did you did you mention the Beyond? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Um. So I mean, it, it's one of those things. Like we had somebody, I think it was uh, our listener Brandon, um, asked us about you know is it worth the money you know, and I'm like, anytime Grindhouse releasing, you know, does a Blu-ray like this, like it's going to be a little more pricey, but I mean, it's definitely you're going to get your money's worth for sure. I responded with Fulci. Yes. So. This uh, this thing was oh, another God. one. Please, I was just like, "What the please fuck am I watching?" Don't, don't. This is my first time seeing Cat in the Brain, and I feel like my problem is I haven't. I've seen. You don't know Fulci. I don't know Fulci. I've seen a few of his films. I like Fulci. I like what I've seen, but I feel like this is one of those movies that after you've seen like his uh filmography up to that point, like was it ninety one? <laughs> Or 1990. If you've seen, if you, if you've, if you've seen his filmography like a bunch of times up to this one, like there's a lot to go through because this is a very meta film, you know, by Lucio Fulci starring him. And it's kind of as Lucio Fulci as, yeah, as Fulci. He's making movies and like he's almost like wrestling with, you know, all the imagery and all the, the past films he's made and all the violence that he puts in his film. And it's very, has a lot to say, I think, you know, about like violence in film and what it can do to somebody possibly, or is that just, you know, or what is that? You know, it, it does want to have that kind of conversation, but it also wants to be this kind of gory, shocking thing. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I was just like, I, I, I respected it, but I didn't, I, I felt okay. like I was missing okay. something. So okay. Brad, right. go for it. So, we got to go back to um, kind of Fulci's career of, um, you know, he started making comedies uh, when he very first started. Um, then he got into kind of the Westerns and got into horror. Um, but it wasn't until in the seventies where he met, I've mentioned the name countless times on the show, uh, which I'll probably also mention with Dr. Butcher MD, um, even though he didn't write it. Uh, Sacchietti, uh, Dardano Sacchietti, he teamed up with, um, for a, a good period of time. But during that time that he basically, um, you know, cause he did, um, for the apocalypse, which is one of Fulci's best films in my opinion. Um, but it wasn't until like, you know, basically 77, 79, or actually 77 when he did, um, you know, seven black notes, um, also known as the psychic. Um, and then all through his career, working with so closely with Sacchietti, Sacchietti being his basically his co-writer 
um, that's when all these movies blew up. So any movie that you think about, the first movie you think is like Fulci did this, Satchietti wrote it um, because he was a really decent screenwriter when it came to fucking going in bizarro land. <laughs> and um, that's probably, you know, the most celebrated filmography from Fulci is, uh, you know, teaming up with Satchietti. Well, they had a falling out um, basically in the, in the mid eighties. And after that, Fulci never had a movie anymore. Like he didn't have a movie that really stuck out like anything else uh, that he did. I mean, he had Enigma, um, you know, that was uh, okay. He worked, uh, you know, he produced uh, The Curse, which was directed by, um, uh, you know, David Keith, who also stars in the movie. Um, and then he had like Touch of Death, uh, you know, but I think the only film that he had that was that really made it for him was house of clocks. Um, and I think at, at that point in his career, he was kind of done, you know, this is towards the end of his career, uh, when he just, I think he wanted to do something new. And, um, now this predates new nightmare quite a bit, of course, but this is kind of like a new nightmare situation where, you know, he just wanted to kind of put his own life in a movie and the career, you know, he was known, he's known as the godfather of gore. He was known for his ultra-violent, uh, you know, scenes in his movie, dealing with the MPA all his life, um, dealing with basically getting his movies released overseas in their entirety without being cut to shreds, um, you know, seeing his visions 100% like they're meant to be. Um, and I think he's just, it was that point in time where he was just like, you know what, I kind of want to just do something new. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wes Craven saw this movie and get the idea for New Nightmare, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I think it's a, a unique, it's definitely a unique premise. It's a game changer for Fulci. It's a game changer for horror because it did something, I mean, this is 1990. We're not into those like kind of, pseudo documentaries or anything like this. This is, this is new to us. So watching, seeing Fulci being Fulci on camera, um, envisioning kind of, uh, you know, flashbacks of the movies that he's making or has made because the movies that, that are in there, I think there's a couple things that are spliced in there that he actually, that are real movies. I think, um, I think touch of death, there's clips of touch of death in, in that, uh, in uh cat in the brain which is so mm -hmm. weird calling it cat in the brain i've always known it as nightmare concert <laughs> so when i saw cat in the brain it took me a second to remember that's actually the title of the movie um is there a list of uh some of the movies that he basically brought in to this one because there's a there's a few i thought uh i just know clips of touch of death okay i don't that's the only thing i recognized okay i mean it could be some of his other like lesser known uh, titles, but um, as far as like anything standing out, Touch of Death is the only thing that I know of. Hmm. Um, but I, I think I think he definitely did something here that's so substantial and big. It just went unrecognized, you know, because I, I think it was just too new. You know, meta wasn't really a thing that we were used to. We didn't see movies like that. We we didn't bring ourselves into the movie. You know, so at, at this point, Fulci is, 
you know, establishing that he's a director and putting himself in a movie, which is also odd because he's not really an actor. And, uh, you know, unfolding this very violent uh, movie because I mean he's known for gore, but this movie is kind of overly violent at times. Yeah, and really weird. I mean that opening sequence. I mean I haven't seen the movie in years, um, and I just popped it, popped the Blu-ray in for a few minutes just to check the transfer, and it looks great. But I, if I remember correctly, that fucking opening sequence of like meat and the cats just kind of like diving into it, oh. and you know basically cat puppets. <laughs> on people's hands just like smothering in the meat just meowing and meowing i made the mistake of making nachos oh my god I, st- <laughs> I started this movie and i was just like what the fuck did i just do yeah i mean i mean everything from him i because I, I remember that the character that he's directing is like sawing through the body and you know just sawing and the limbs are like falling off and like blood spewing everywhere um, you know, just kind of the horror monster sequences, you know, the creature things that mm-hmm. happen out the film. Like this is definitely like his time to shine as far as special effects. Cause he's always had some killer special effects in his movies. Um, but this is something where he like just went all out, like everything he can think of. He just, you know, he stuck it in this movie. Um, cause I, I mean, he's old at this point, you know, I mean, he had, uh, like, um, Voices from Beyond, and he had uh, what's the other movie that Severn released? Mike, you Door know, to Silence. Yeah, Door to Silence. Uh, you know, it, it, I think Door to Silence is his last movie. Yes. Um, so, I mean, this is his peak of almost. You know, he was already sick. You know, he um, he got sick uh, a few years back in the late eighties. He got super sick on uh, basically the filming of uh, Zombie 3. And that's when, you know, Matei had to come uh, basically uh, take over because he was so sick. And then he came back. And I think I, I think he just knew it was his time. And I think this is something that he's been wanting to do. And it was kind of a passion project. So I kind of feel like, you know, him putting himself in the movie, not hiring another actor to play Lucio Fulci, playing himself i think this is just a big passion project and honestly watching the movie kind of makes me a little like teary-eyed inside because i'm like you know this is like his one last like hurrah yeah he did a couple movies afterwards but i mean come on he he filmed like four movies like in four years or two two years or something yeah it's crazy like 1990 like 89 90 91 it's just like i mean but even in the 80s like he was he was you know chucking out a movie one or two movies a year. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he even after his illness, like he he still came back strong. But his movies weren't strong because mm. honestly, it's because he lost. You know, he got I, I forget the argument or if it was an argument or falling out, but he lost Satchietti, and that's kind of when his uh, like you kind of knew that you know Fulci's weird, but he was a lot weirder with Satchietti. Um, so. I don't know. I, I, I particularly love this movie because I can, you know, I grew up watching Fulci movies and this is just a little something extra for me. Nice. Mike, Mike, what did you think of cat in the brain? Uh, well, I don't have personally have the Blu-ray. Um, unfortunately I don't get screeners for, uh, grand house releasing stuff. Um, so, and I like, for the DVDs 
So I was like, oh, sweet. I think I have this. I don't. So <laughs> I actually ended up watching the VHS re-release that Cult Movie Mania did nice. with Grindhouse releasing. So I watched it on VHS, um, available on grindhousevideo.com. <laughs> and um, uh, Brad will tell you that I do not like Italian films. No, he doesn't. I don't um, <laughs> I don't like Giallo films. Um, I am not a Lucio Fulci fan. Um, I I don't know what to think about this movie. Um, <laughs> well, that, that was my original reaction the, too. I mean, the the gore scenes were really cool, um, but quite honestly, I was so fucking confused the whole time. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on in this movie. Like I read the synopsis on the back and kind of had an idea of what I was getting into, but that's not really what I watched. Um, like I will say this, the, the serial killer, like dude, the, I guess the, the therapist or whatever, um, he is the strongest man alive because <laughs> it takes one cut to chop a head off a hand off. <laughs> Like he cuts the girl's head off, like with the the uh, chest, like yeah. by dropping the the lid on her in one shot, and her head is completely clean off. Like he's the strongest man alive. They basically decapitate a guy with a wheelchair. Yes, like it. He is. He's like he should be a fighter. Like seriously, he would he would kill everybody that fought him. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know if I liked it. I don't think I did. Um <laughs> it, it like I I watched the VHS and I'm like, "All right. If I like it, then I'll keep one of the Blu-rays from the store." I put it back the next day <laughs> on the shelf. Um cuz I don't think I like it. I don't know. I'm just not an Italian horror fan. The the whole um Lips not moving, not matching what I'm hearing <laughs> thing really bugs the shit out of me. So you got to watch it with the subtitles. Uh, Well, I didn't have that option on the VHS. Oh, that's right, VHS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even then, the Italian doesn't match up because yeah, they, they, don't, you know, they, they, they didn't dub. record anything live. So, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm... <sighs> and Fulci didn't use his own voice in this movie. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, really? I, I saw that on night. Yeah, he, um, <clears throat> he uh, if I remember correctly, he dubs, the, even the Italian dub, he, he had someone stand in for him. I think I think that happened a lot, though. I think with these films, they would have whoever's available come in and do the do the voices. So I think I've heard of that, that happening a lot in Italian films well, as well. I, on IMDb, I believe it said that he was so self-conscious about his own acting that oh, he, didn't, really? he didn't want his own voice. That's he was, funny like self-conscious about it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's a few, there's a few things to dive into with the, there's some interviews on this Blu-ray to dive into that I want to get into. Um, I don't think there is um commentary though. I would have liked it if there was some sort of somebody. She doesn't do commentary. Well, somebody though, cause sometimes they have like film historians and stuff like that. He's or, like, he's like Tarantino. He says, fuck commentaries. <laughs> Damn it! But some some decent interviews on here, and uh, so I don't. know. It wasn't as packed, I think, as I was expecting it to be. But um, yeah, I think there's but it's, it's, it's a Blu-ray. 
It's the Blu-ray. Up what they could for this, you know. Well, it's, a, it's, it's another uh, separate Blu-ray full of full of special features. So it's got to be it's got to be pretty significant. I haven't uh, haven't checked it out yet. Well, I would um, say I from Right House releasing's track record that if you like Cat in the Brain, oh yeah, you are not going to be disappointed yeah. with the special features. Like they go all out. Um, you know, every release is ridiculous. Uh, which is why it's kind of sad that, you know, once they release their last couple titles that they're, they're closing shop. What? Um, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I forget the, the guy, Bob, is his name Bob? Yeah, Bob. Um, is, uh, he, he's over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just kind of, uh, finishing up doing what they started because of, uh, Sage, like just, right. you know, because Sage wanted to do it. And after he passed, he was just like, all right, I'm going to finish what Sage wanted and then I'm done. Okay. So yeah, uh, it's kind of, cause the, I don't know if he is in charge of all this or he has somebody doing it for him, but if there's somebody is doing it for him, they, they definitely have a job with somebody else once they're done yeah. with Grand house releasing and stuff is great. It, everything yeah. is top notch. So totally. Well, shoot, buy up all the Grindhouse releasing things you can then. Yeah, Collectors. I doubt they're going to go out of print, but oh, okay. they're just not going to that release any ones. Yeah. What are the last two titles that they're doing, do you know? Uh, they're doing um, I Drink Your Blood and uh, Scum of the Earth, I believe. Okay. Which they actually never did on DVD as far as I know. Um, but I guess they own that. I think this is the last two. Cool. Keep an eye on If that. I remember correctly. All right. Yeah, I would if you're if you're a Fulci fan and you're a fan of Cat in the Brain, this thing is a no brainer. So me for me it was a blind buy, but I'm a Fulci. You know, I, I I dig Fulci, so I think this is one that will grow on me the more Fulci that I watch. So I'm just like Crimes of Passion. I'm adding this to my revisit within the next year or so pile. Yeah, Crimes of Passion. I will definitely rewatch. It was a good solid movie. Maybe there's something for everyone in Crimes of Passion. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this for, for Gat in the Brain, there's lots of boobs. There is. Yeah. A lot of uh, some 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 naked running. You guys are just some topless running. That's always fun. Disgraceful. Oh, <laughs> I'm pissed. You gotta talk about something else. You guys are just gonna make me cry. I apologize. Alright, let's jump into Severin's release of Dr. Butcher M.D. The patient screamed, disturbing me, performed removal of vocal cords. His name is Dr. Butcher M.D., medical deviate, and he has perverted the science of medicine for his own maniacal means. (laughs) Dr. Butcher M.D., medical deviate. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. What it's like to pass from life to death and death to life. See Dr. Butcher's diabolical surgery. You must have a psychopathic deviate in the hospital. See him mutilate patients with his murderous scalpel. Dr. Butcher loves New York. There are so many attractive patients to operate on. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain be the culmination of my career. Dr. Butcher, medical deviate. He loves to operate on beautiful women. 
I'm on the verge of discovering the key to, to increasing man's lifespan by over a hundred years. You're a bloodthirsty lunatic. Dr. Butcher, M.D., medical deviant. He's a depraved, sadistic rapist. A bloodthirsty, homicidal killer. And he makes house calls. Dr. Butcher, M.D., medical deviant. Rated R. This was also known in the past as Zombie Holocaust. The cut version was known as Zombie Holocaust. This thing, uh, people were pretty excited when they when they saw that Severin was releasing this uncut. I was. That's Doctor Butcher, MD. Um, it 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 features one of the best falling dummy effects known to man. Where, you mean where his arm falls off? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> fantastic. <laughs> I had to rewind it and capture it with my uh, phone and post it on social media as soon as possible. There's got to be a supercut of those types of falls, though. If any, if anybody knows a YouTube supercut of bad dummy falls in uh, in the 70s and 80s, please send me the link because I yeah. would love to see that. Those yeah, are that was falls. that was pretty funny. <laughs> Very uh, strange film that kind of turns into a little bit of like a, a cannibal Holocaust ish type thing. You know, the uh, it turns into stuff. zombie. And zombie, yeah, 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 and zombie for sure. Dude, I you yep. didn't see my tweets. Like, I thought I tweeted the funniest things ever, but I don't think anybody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know if I was paying attention to your tweets. It was, um, I basically was doing because I, I I popped this in too because this is another one that I haven't seen in a while. I I um I popped it in just to like look at the transfer because I had the Shriek Show uh, Blu-ray that um I don't think I ever got around to watching. To yeah, I have the Shriek Show one too that. I- Still like I had it on V. I had Doctor Butcher on M- MD on VHS for the longest time. Uh, Mike probably sold it for like thousands of dollars. Um, <laughs> I don't think you gave me that one. Really? I don't. I don't think I've ever had one of those in the store. You're about to then. I'm pretty sure I did though. But um, I, I, I tweeted on the set of Doctor Butcher MD director. Hey, Ian, I want you to throw. And then Ian McCullough cuts him off. He goes, I've done this before. And <laughs> director says, I need. And Ian just screams, I got it. Dude, the whole fucking, like, it's filmed on the same sets as Zombie. Yeah. The fucking, yeah. the house they're at is in fucking Zombie. Ian McCullough plays the same fucking character <laughs> as he does in Zombie. He kills zombies. Like it's literally he filmed this movie back to back with Zombie and well, it's I think just zombie like Zombie had better zombie effects. It did. But the whole time like you're watching it, you're like, Man, I've seen this movie before. Like <laughs> Ian McCullough doesn't show up until like thirty minutes into the movie, I think. But you know, he, he, when he shows up they get to the island and it's right. like what the fuck are we doing? I mean, this is even uh, known as a zombie uh sequel at times and in, in different markets. Huh. This is known as another zombie movie. Um, but Ian McCullough is the shit. Like, he's so fucking good. He reminds me of, uh, um, uh, who's the guy from Pieces? That's Linda, Linda, like, George, George Day, is it? Or, what's his name? It's Linda Day George is his wife. Who's in Pieces? Come on, guys. You don't have, I, I, I haven't don't, watched, I don't I haven't have watched piece, Pieces yet. Oh, he always you haven't seen pieces? No, it's not. It's next on my. It's, it's, oh my dude, god! Why don't we cover that? That's so good, dude. We'll co- pieces we'll is it. awesome. We'll cover it soon. Oh my god! 
Oh um, shit, me and Brad just agreed. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Everything blows up. Um, <laughs> so, but Ian McCullough, dude, that, uh, like, still, the scene that, um, and this is, I actually, forward in, in, with the Blu ray so I could watch it in its new transfer, is when he fucking starts, for some reason, the boat has two motors that are exactly the same. Like, usually, you know, there's a big motor. Just are you clicking the mute button? It. Something's something's uh, you're cutting out. No, I'm not clicking the out. mute button. Cutting out. Hold. How do I sound? Don't move. How do I sound now? Better. So what I was saying is that there's two huge motors on this boat. Like usually boats have like a motor than a trolling motor at front, mm-hmm. but this has two major motors, and he just rips one off and it shoves it in the zombie's face. <laughs> Literally one of the best zombie kills ever in a movie. He rips it off in like literally seconds. It, like it's almost <laughs> like it wasn't even attached to the boat. <laughs> Dude, no, it's just Ian McCullough being a badass. Yeah, yeah. And bless, he's done this before. <laughs> like Ian McCullough's he's not like, here to fuck this. around. Like he gets out of that basically that uh, you know he what he escapes like three times at the end. <laughs> yeah. He has he has no problems. Like he knows exactly where the front door is to the place because he's like, yo, I got out of here before. This place was on fire before. And I was fighting zombies in it. I know what I'm fucking doing. Um, but no, the zombie holocaust is just – it's so weird because it wants to – it basically mixes zombie and cannibal holocaust mm-hmm. in the same fucking movie with the most ridiculous uh, kind of special effects. And like it, it totally – it's, it's a fucking – you talk about a fever dream. This is basically like Sacchietti – uh, writing a script for like, you know, for for these Italian like, you know, kind of Fulci and like a Herschel Gordon Lewis type thing, mm-hmm. you know, like Herschel Gordon Lewis is directing, Fulci's like first AD and Sacchietti's writing it, <laughs> and they're just going like, they're just like, let's just fucking do it, like let's do a lot of drugs and make Doctor Butcher MD medical deviant. Yeah, you know, you know like, he he, uh, he has the same. His name is Peter in both mov- movies. So it's Doctor Peter West and then Doctor Peter Chandler. Chandler. Oh Jesus! There you <laughs> go, dude. He just got married. That's all he did. Um, <laughs> but it's like this movie's just so fucking over the top and weird. And it's and it's cool to see that Severin took the time because apparently they went out of their way to try to do a new transfer and track down the elements to mm-hmm. this. Uh, to this film, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I didn't compare the Shriek Show one, but it looks it looks pretty good. It starts off a little bit rough. You're like, oh man, but um, you can tell there's certain scenes that they had that they found and spliced in. That it's a little less, you know, a little more grainy and everything. But I thought it looked all right. I didn't really have any major, you know, major qualms with the the movie at all. No, no, I think I think it's uh, you know, it's basically an old guy making a movie who this is actually Enzo Castellari's dad. Believe uh-huh. it or not, that fucking made this movie. So if anybody doesn't know Enzo Castellari, did he make a bunch of fucking apocalyptic movies in you know Italy in the eighties? Um, so this is his dad. Just like this is like his movie. I think this is towards the end of his career. Um, what's his name? Oh fuck, it's not Castellari though. Oh, I have the blue right here. Um, Marino Girolami. I don't know. I, I don't. I didn't know that name. I just know it's Castellari's dad. I believe. 
You have to look that up to verify. <clears throat> the director? Um, well, because Enzo's uh, Enzo's on the uh, Blu-ray talking about his dad. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyways, Giro. that's why I just, I just said the name. Kirolami. You don't still listen to me. I wasn't. Um, I'm sorry, what were you saying? So, <laughs> but anyways, Dr. Butcher, MD, Zombie Holocaust, whatever the fuck, Zombie 3, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a charming zombie film because it's just really goofy. It's very comparable to like Hell of the Living Dead where it's just ripping off everything. Yeah. And it's just goofy. It's just goofy fun. I, I don't get why uh, the woman was all of a sudden the queen of the cannibals. I don't know if they were painting her up uh, to eat her or were they going to sacrifice her, but she's the queen of the cannibals. It was yeah. a chance for her to get naked. Totally naked spread eagle. I was like, whoa, can they show that? They did, so <laughs> they did. I guess yes I, is the answer. I guess it's uh, it was okay, but uh, dude, how about when they tie the dude up in the tree and they just like start poking oh, their eye, fingers in his eyes and ripping out his eyeballs? <coughs> not a not a not a way I want to go. That sure. must have been at a point when I wasn't paying attention, which was most <laughs> of the movie because I was bored to shit. Like, oh I didn't, my God. it's I one of those like movies that's talk. like you just gotta kind of go with it. There's a few moments of just insanity hilarity like the dummy fall where the arm falls off and then all of a sudden you know the guy's arm obviously didn't fall off but it's like the editor was just like i got it don't worry about it they're they're, they're not so gonna say, notice. dude somebody everybody on this movie was doing drugs <laughs> like that's how these movies were made it's crazy because it's yeah. not even like a tri- like you know sometimes when events happen or, you know, something happens in the movie, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. Like watching Manhattan Baby by Fulci, you're like, I don't know who the fuck thought this up, but this is crazy. But it's like a lost in translation thing. You no, know, these guys were just like, literally, they didn't give a fuck. They're like, did we get it? Uh, yeah. The dummy's arm came off, though. Oh, that sounds awesome. Let's, let's, let's watch that. And they like laugh about it, and then they just put it in the movie. <laughs> Like it, it's so it's so bizarre, like how some of these movies were made, and I don't know. That's part of the charm, though, to me. I, like I, dude, Doctor Butcher, MD, was like on rotation when I was little. Like I had the tape, and I would just watch that shit because I was got obsessed with zombie movies when I was, you know, probably eleven, twelve, uh, still to this day. But I mean, I went through a phase where I tracked try to track down every zombie movie like i would click on hyperlinks like on imdb and all movie guide just on zombie and then try to watch every movie that listed a zombie so i was watching movies that had one zombie in it you know because that's what i wanted to see so these were on rotation for me man like this was this was something like really like fun and cool to me now how does this compare to burial ground because i think that's another shriek show Burial Ground is completely different. Completely different. I mean, we're getting like incest in Burial Ground. Okay, all right. I I just think of Burial Ground as another zombie movie. I haven't seen it yet. There's titty biting. Is there? Okay. All right. Well, I I believe uh, several. They're going to. I I believe several's putting a Burial Ground out. Okay. So they acquired some of these Shriek Show things. Well, yeah. I mean, this, this Blu-ray, if you're a fan of Zombie Holocaust slash Dr. Butcher MD, uh, this two disc thing, first, the first disc is the Dr. Butcher MD cut. 
The second disc is the zombie holocaust cut. Now, is it is it just minor minor like changes or just five minutes? Five minutes with like gore and shit. Okay. Because I mean, this movie is heavily cut um, because of the gore. Yeah. Um. So you know they they put that back in and gave it uh you know release in its entirety on on Blu-ray. But I mean the VHS Doctor Butcher MD VHS had had the same cut that's on this. Okay. So that you was know, the, was that the original uncut. that was the original title. Um, I don't know if it's original title, but it's the more popular title. Okay. Um, amongst enthusiasts because they know what it meant. Gotcha. Because Zombie Holocaust was more well known, but we all knew that Doctor Butcher MD was the real deal. Gotcha. So I think that's kind of how that. Uh, that's the reason why they obviously did both titles because you release something like Zombie Holocaust, like you forget that it's Doctor Butcher MD. Right. You know, because it's such a, you know, fucking zombie this, zombie that, you know, Dr. Butcher, MD, medical deviant kind of stuck out. Yeah. Mike, do you have you, you got a box of these in, right? The Dr. Butcher. Yeah. Um, they're selling like crazy, but I've got plenty in stock right now. Yeah. Nice. And I did want to mention that um, I, I, I enjoyed the special features on the doctor. I didn't get to the zombie Holocaust uh, uh-huh. Blu-ray, but I watched some of the special features on the Dr. Butcher uh, side of it and um, they've had some interviews with um, a couple of the guys involved with the film um, and they kind of give a little bit of a backstory to how it was kind of how it became Dr. Butcher from okay. Zombie Holocaust and um, like it premiering uh, on 42nd Street and how they got a truck and drove around and had like a surgeon operating on somebody on a flatbed <laughs> truck, like driving through the streets of New York. Nice. Um, nice. So yeah, like the special features were really cool. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the movie, but I was a fan of the special features. So cool. well, I, I love hearing about 42nd street. Yeah. This thing stacked. I mean, is this other than the, um, I know that they did do those, uh, those two kind of special feature films. Um, oh God, who was that? You know, with the girl, the dark hair. Uh, what? You know, the the the, the slip covers, the the Severin Severin released. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Sean. You cut out, so I don't. I didn't hear God part of it. what you said. I don't know where they are. I mean, I was trying to think of like, is this the most uh, kind of stacked like a Severin disc has been? I'm trying to think of their um, last special feature. Well, like uh, Felicity that they just put out oh, shit. Um, right. actually has two of the old Intervision DVDs on it. Um, right. ABCs of ABCs of Sex and Australia Love Australian Style or something like that. I forget the title, but I mean they they usually go pretty pretty heavy on the special okay. features. Um, Axe and uh, Kidnap Coed was pretty stacked. Um, yeah, Severin does a really good job. Um, oh, you're talking about Solid Ed Miranda. When you're talking about the vampire lesbos. And yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those things were stacked too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've been doing good work. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I just... This is just another another really good one. I haven't seen 
uh, Sinful Dwarf. I didn't know how stacked they had that one. Do you, do you any, any of you guys get that? I have it. Brad, you have it? Uh, Sinful Dwarf is so sleazy. I love <laughs> That's it. What I hear. <laughs> it's, yeah. Out of print now, right? You, you want to take a shower afterward, but I, I have some in the store. Like, they're, they're still readily available. I, I think it was only pre- they only pressed three thousand, but that's a pretty big number for a title like Central Dwarf. So yeah, I think they won with the the they sold it like with the doll, the Central Dwarf doll. I think that's out of stock. Severin Severin killing it. Oh, I, I feel like we don't we don't cover their their films as much um, as we should. So we should probably start covering their stuff more. I don't know. Yes, yeah, Severin's one of my favorites uh, as far as like uh, just putting out you know, really good solid titles. Yeah, um, yeah. even the, like they bought intervision, uh, I think a couple years ago and even like the intervision stuff is more low budget, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how they put out things. So, you know, and they're, <laughs> and they're usually like DVD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. they don't do, get into Blu-ray too often, but, uh, yeah, Inter- intervision and Severin are, are good, solid companies. Like, I, I, I basically, I, Arrow's kind of like the criterion for the stuff that I carry, you know, along with like Grindhouse releasing special edition stuff. Um, just because they literally go all out for every film that they do. Um, but then, you know, Synapse and Severin, um, are both in that group too. Like they don't do like the deluxe packaging all the time, like, you know, Arrow and, Greenhouse releasing do, but they still, they both also put in the time to do really good solid transfers mm-hmm. and get, get you good special features and stuff. So, and they pick uh, up you know, weird movies. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Nice. So yeah. And, uh, just to let you know, all three of the titles that we just talked about are available on Greenhouse video. There you go. Dot com. What does, uh, what does Severin have coming up? I know that they released, they had a list of things that they were releasing. Dr. Butcher was one of them. And then you said that, um, um, I know Burial uh, Grounds. Burial though. Grounds. Burial Ground. Is there any other ones that are on our radar? Um, well, we posted a, someone took a picture of their lineup when they were at, uh, one of the booths in, um, I, I guess it. Texas, Texas Sprite Mirror. I know that they announced Kathy's Curse. Yes. Right. Which is a huge one. Let me see um, if I can find their list. Here we go. Yeah, Burial Grounds. That one received, like, that one's full of uh, restoration. Was that the rest- restoration that 88 Films did, or? I don't know, but they have um, Trial of Dracula, Beyond the Darkness, Burial Ground, The Other Hell, uh, Christina, Lady Libertine Love Circles, Eaten Alive, The Devil's Honey, which is a Lucio Fulci film, uh, the anthropo I can never say Anthropophagus? That. Yeah, and Anthropophagus. Then, I have the eighty films of Fury Volume Two. So that's our lineup for two thousand sixteen. Sweet. Well, Christina's already out. Yep. Yep. But all the others are oh, that's right, Christina's already out. Still now. coming out. Very cool. Very cool. So good stuff. Good stuff. Go Severin. Good job, Severin. 
And is the, this is the uh, this is not the uh, Toby Hooper eaten alive. This is no, the uh, cannibal film. Yes, eaten alive. It's Severin, so it's uh, gotta have cannibals. <laughs> right. And actually, a lot of those titles that you you just mentioned were were a bunch of Shriek Show titles, right? So yeah, they must have gotten a bunch of their catalog. Yeah, and they'll look better for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Severin, Severin Severin does a good job. Yeah, I'm happy with them. All right. Yeah, Severin, like they, I feel like they stick to kind of like more of the 42nd Street type vibe for sure. Um, for most of their stuff, they do some of the kind of Skin and Max type stuff. Well, yeah, they have right. a porn line. Um, and then, um, th- they had that weird Roman Polanski movie. That sex what? comedy. What? 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 Uh, which I haven't gotten around to watching yet. So I, I kind of put it on in the store and. I, I wasn't really paying attention to it, but geez, that the the female lead in that, oh my god, I couldn't stop lo- looking at her. She's, she's gorgeous, <laughs> nice, and she gets she gets naked. Well, I mean, I, I imagine because she's on the cover. In case you were wondering, on the cover, yeah. she's pretty much naked. So I'm like, well, this has nudity in it. From uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I'm weird with Roman Polanski films. I'm like, you know. I'm like, should I, should I, should I watch this film? It's Roman Polanski, but this is early Roman Polanski. So before all that crazy stuff happens, so I can, you know, that's how I will get past that. Good for you, Sean. Yeah. I, you know, always thinking on how I can, uh, I don't know. I'm getting tired now. <laughs> I was rambling at this point. Um, all right. So all three of these films, Mike is carrying at grindhousevideo.com. Dr. Yes, Butcher. and actually, all three of them are the same price, uh, $27.99. Nice. Cat in the Brain, Cries of Passion, and Dr. Butcher MD. Head over there and grab it. Or if you're in Lakeland, Florida. Tampa. By, Tampa. If you're in Lakeland, stop by Brad's stop house. Stop by Brad's house, yeah. Brad. <laughs> you come say hi. I'll be posting Brad, Brad's uh, personal address in the yeah, show. Yeah, Brad has an open door policy, so... <laughs> And if you're in Tampa, swing by Grindhouse Video. Check out the store. Um, but always make sure you're checking out the website. I just, uh, you had a very good price on the bed that eats people. I don't know if you're just trying to blow that out of the store, but, uh, no, I got a, I got a really grateful. good deal on them. Okay. And, um, you, I, I, for some reason, I've had these for a while at the same price and huh. somebody ordered one. And then you ordered one right <laughs> after. Yep. And I almost thought that I wasn't going to get yours shipped because <laughs> I thought I ran out and I found another one. So I was like, nice. oh, God, that would have that would have sucked. I've been like, sorry, dude. <laughs> somebody, the, got to, somebody got it before you. Well, it's the power of the Internet. Cause it's been on my I keep I keep my Amazon wish list for things that I want to get. And normally what I do is I peruse that and then I'll. You know, I'll drop you a line, Mike, and say, "Hey, do you have this in stock?" And that that was one that was on my wish list. And uh, one of our listeners, uh, oh gosh, was it Mike? Mike? Uh, Mike Delaney? Michael Delaney had. To yeah, grab, I think he's the one that that picked it up. Yeah, also. had grabbed it and tweeted about it, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's a great price!" So I immediately dropped you a line, and I was like, "No, I think it went just went online and bought it." That's what I did. Yeah, you but, just you just got that one on the site. Yeah, um, I got a really good price on that and the baby Blu-ray. So I think I think that's at the same price, like okay. nine ninety nine. 
Good to know. I've got a few yeah. more, a few more of those left. Every once in a while, I get this one distributor that just blows out stuff, and they usually have a bunch of uh, cult epics. Like I got a bunch of um, like uh, Betty Page stuff, real cheap, and some uh, oh the um, Radley Metzger box set. I've got that yeah. like super cheap. I think it's like. I think it retails at like 70 bucks and I've got it for like 26, 26, 27 bucks. Damn. Um, yeah, they, so I get a lot of stuff really cheap and I, instead of marking it up, I just make it cheaper. So that's how I is. You're doing the Lord's work. Yes, I am. Or Lucifer's work, whichever you, you know, I'm more along the lines of Lucifer, wherever you stand on that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and one thing I did want to mention, uh, since I have a little bit of a platform to kind of advertise a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, fuck no. Shut up. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it, man. No, I'm working with uh, uh, Sean Donahue, who did Descort uh, Service and Die Die Delta Pi. Um, he's putting on a convention here in Tampa called Tampa Bay Screams. And it's a little one-day event. Uh, you can get tickets on the website. They're seven bucks in advance, ten bucks a dollar. And we've got um, Patty Mullen from Frankenhooker, and uh, Forbes Riley from Splatter University, and the one that I'm so looking forward to, Rhonda Shear from USA's Up All Night, um, nice. as the three main guests. And then like a bunch of local guys, uh, Todd Sheets is coming in from Ohio. Um, there's a couple like fetish people that do like internet stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I'm a little confused about some of that, <laughs> but, uh, it, it should be a really cool special event, you know, just a little one day or, um, and I will be set up and selling a bunch of stuff. And, um, then right after that, uh, in September, I'll be set up at Bay of blood in Tampa, which is, really going to be hopefully like really cool. Cause they got a um, reunion, a cast reunion for the burning and oh. a cast reunion for my bloody Valentine. And they just started announcing a ca- partial cast reunion for Friday the 13th two. Nice. Um, and they're getting a lot of people from the, the two other, like the burning and my bloody Valentine. I think they got like seven to 10 people per movie, wow. which it's kind of unheard of to get that many people for a, a reunion like that. So that those should be good. And then I got spooky empire in October, uh, in Orlando. So if you're in, in Florida, check those out. I'll be at all three. Sweet. Selling, selling my goods. Wow. You have the angel collection DVD angel, yes. avenging angel and angel three, the final chapter for 1499. Yep. Damn. Brad turned me on to those movies. I haven't watched them yet. Oh, they're so. great. They're great. Wow, well, we agree, agreed again. Time to end the show. There you go. All right. Well, with that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure you go to grindhousevideo.com. Buy Mike's shit. Uh, the owner's a dick, but you should support him. Yeah. I mean, I always uh, love to hit up the site and check it out. It's always fun to browse because there is some shit that I have not heard of, and I'm sure – uh, it's just a lot of fun to see what's out there. So a lot, a lot of stuff from arrow you can pre-order. Um, 
and uh, Synapse and all those labels. You can browse by label and, and everything like that. Um, of course, we need to tell you guys to check out Vinegar Syndrome as they are another sponsor. So check, buy their movies from grindhousevideo.com. And uh, Coffee Shop of Horrors, checking them out. Buy their coffee. Wolfman of Mars, of course. I want to thank them for giving us uh, the music to use for the show. And Kevin Spencer for designing the logo. Make sure you go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Check them all out. You can also go to thescreamcast.com to find our social media links all there. And, of course, news and past shows and all that other bullshit. Cool. Cool. All right. Mike, thank you so much for joining yes. us, man. Thank you. Stranger, we'll have you on again for sure. Yeah, I, any anytime, man. I got, I got nothing else to do, you know. Maybe we'll pick movies he'll like. Yeah, that would be great. Next time I get to pick the movies. Actually, all trauma movies. I you definitely need to have me on if you talk about microwave massacre or popcorn when that comes out from Synapse. Ooh, okay, popcorn is fucking amazing. Deal. Deal. All right, we want to thank all of you guys for listening and talking to us online and all that stuff. And thank and all of you who submitted last week. God damn, thank you so much. That was that show was so fun. And I hadn't laughed that hard in a long time. But apologies to my kind of girly giggle. Uh, I apologize for that. But uh, thank you guys for submitting those. Those are great. We'll hopefully do uh, some more drawings like that down the line with the uh, participation from all of you. Until next time, have a great week. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.